three, one, two, three. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. All right, wonderful. So thanks again, guys, for joining us. I think we have uh, two, two new members uh, from our first uh, episode. Uh, thanks for joining us, Abby and Nolan. We, we, we did our introductions last time, so yeah. I guess we'll start with you guys. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Yeah, I'll go first then. Yeah, um, go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm Nolan. Um, I am currently um, studying at uh, UBC mm -hmm. uh, to complete a designation in um, real estate valuation. Uh, I got about like a semester left. Uh, this is on top of my uh, undergrad, which I pursued at Ryerson about three years ago, I completed mm -hmm. um, in geographic uh, analysis, which is like digital mapping. Uh, I worked for a couple of years in uh, corporate at uh, Bayer Pharmaceuticals. I was doing uh, leasing there, mm -hmm. uh, corporate real estate leasing. And from there, I wanted to move into more like a valuation type of uh, role. Hmm. So uh, that's why I'm completing my uh, designation at uh, UBC uh, Souter Business School. Um, UBC as in uh, um, uh, BC? Like yeah, yeah. Nice. Are you yeah. still in Toronto? Are you still uh, in the city or what's up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just, uh, I'm completing the designation online, right? Oh, okay. Wow. I had no idea. Well, good for you, man. Yeah, man. That's awesome. You should have went to BC. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah man. I've, I've been there uh, many times, many times. Uh, hmm. I got, I got a whole bunch of family out there actually. So. Oh, no way. Yeah. Really? I've been there more than a handful of times. Um, not recently, but um, I've seen all the sites down there. Um, hmm. Skiing, snowboarding. Uh, That's awesome. I underestimated BC. Yeah, man. It's 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 probably like one of the most beautiful parts of the country. Oh, for sure. Like I would never, I would never have imagined. I think although all all five of us are yeah, all five of us have been to BC. Um, yeah, I love I love BC. Yeah, I, why, don't you, why don't you introduce yourself uh, for the audience for the potential tens of audience that we'll have? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, this is Abhishek here, so I. Uh, you guys can call me Abhi as well. Um, yeah, I'm um, I'm a computer engineer, um, com compensation grad from University of Waterloo. Um, yeah, I've been working in the tech industry here in uh, Toronto. Um, started uh, at some doing some internships. Uh, worked for like FreshBooks, so the uh, that's the cloud accounting software company. Uh, also did some like uh, internships at like some of the big companies like BlackBerry before <laughs> it was going down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. And then uh, yeah, uh, before that, uh, currently I'm at Scotia Bank. Before this, um, I did some software consulting for uh, um, a company now acquired by Accenture. So um, Infusion yeah. is acquired. Uh, no, uh, so I was working for Infusion. Yeah, they got acquired by Accenture. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah, that was one of my reasons to leave that company. Because oh. uh, the projects were fun. 
like I was working on uh, some mobile stuff as well as I did some HoloLens. So they were like uh, official partners of Microsoft in Canada. So uh, they had access to like, you know, the HoloLens augmented reality technology. So we did some projects for uh, oil companies, some mining companies for to do like uh, training using uh, HoloLens. You can just uh, have, you know, like a simulated experience. Um, yeah, so after that, yeah, here now at my current gig here, uh, I started at Scotia um, almost three years ago now. Um, this is uh, Scotia Digital, which is like a kind of like a digital digital arm of Scotia Bank. Mm. And uh, they're working on uh, basically um, improving their digital presence and uh, modernizing some of the banking industry. So, yeah, trying to play yeah, we, part. We've got a spokesperson for Scotia right here, Abhishek. <laughs> no. <laughs> Abhishek and I have been destined to work together. I uh, One of my first interviews um, was at Infusion while Abhishek was working there. Back then, I didn't actually know him. Um, Abhishek's boss at the time interviewed me and didn't like me so much. Um, <laughs> so I ended up uh, working with CBC. But Abhishek, for those that know don't know, Abhishek is currently my boss at Scotiabank. So... Oh, oh damn oh wow okay yeah. no there's no such thing this guy is he's he's he, this is his go-to joke <laughs> he's joined scotia bank uh, <laughs> no abhishek and yeah. i i definitely do work together i'm on his team um uh, yeah interestingly enough we we almost crossed paths multiple times before yeah. eventually meeting in person because i think we met through our mutual friend ibad and then uh uh I think there were like few incidents before where Ibad mentioned to me, you were going to interview at my company and things yeah. like that. And yeah. then we never ended up meeting, but then eventually we met. And then uh, the but next we, thing was we planned a trip together. Yeah, we actually ended up meeting. So it, I met, I had heard of Abhishek for years. And this is a similar story about with Rami as well. I heard about Abhishek for quite a while from uh, Ibad. And uh, with Rami, I had heard Rami's name and all these stories from Atik. Um, I met Abhishek at Ibad's brother's wedding. Um, and we kind of kicked it off. But one thing that was uh, mutual, we were both um, looking forward to going to Google I.O. And at the time, I think Abhishek had already obtained the ticket. And I believe I did not win the win, win the um, actual draw for Google I.O. And for those that don't know, Google I.O. is a, a Google conference that a lot of like Android uh, engineers end up uh, going to. And it's a very sought out after conference. So you have to enter a draw. It's a 1600 USD dollar ticket and you're not guaranteed of uh, a ticket. It's very limited. So I think Abhishek got obtained those tickets. I did not, but um, through where I work through our um, connections, my manager ended up uh, actually obtaining a ticket. And so they offered it to me. So Abhishek and I ended up um, actually really befriend, befriending each other at uh, at the conference. We spent the, the three, four days at the conference, like, I guess, basically the entire time together. We, we the way the conference worked was we have uh, 
it's basically like a lecture. You have different lectures that you want to attend to. And by the end of it, Abhishek and I were just attending the same lectures. And um, we had actually prolonged our trip to um, kind of uh, explore San Francisco. So we had Muhammad, who was on the last last, uh, last podcast, and Ibad and Abhishek and I, we then kind of traveled uh, um, throughout San Francisco. And, and then a, be- a beautiful friendship blossomed through that interaction and yeah we explored uh, uh san francisco like uh, the local style <laughs> definitely and you saw just... you saw the the homeless people there <laughs> oh, yeah you know oh, i'm such an easy target for the, these guys when i was in san francisco i just walked out of the hostel yeah. the moment i walked out some homeless guy was there he just locked eyes with me and just knew i, I was a weak target and you know he was just like oh you know give me money blah 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 I'm like, I'm not going to give you money, but what do you want? You want food? You want a drink? He's like, yeah, sure. I could use a coffee. So I literally walked to this homeless guy to Starbucks, bought him a coffee and sent him his way. Yeah. Oh, I'll be yeah, sure. We had some crazy stories. <laughs> like even uh, so uh, when we were, uh, I think, booking tickets and like booking the hotel and everything. So I usually have this thing of doing like the. Uh, due diligence for some of the neighborhoods where I'm going, especially <laughs> yeah. when I travel to states before I book any of those things, just to make sure I'm not going to end up in a in a bad neighborhood. So when we were booking, I did, uh, we saw these uh, hotels where like the price was very good, the hotel itself was very good, but it was like in one of those like very uh, famous uh, bad neighborhoods of SF. So oh. I did <laughs> warn these guys beforehand. They're like, oh, doesn't matter, man. We all good. And plus, funny thing was, uh, Twitter's headquarters, I think, or one of their office buildings, was just a block away as well. Yeah, that, that was the that that so was. So you're like, uh, Twitter's office is there, then it should be fine, right? So, I think what happened was during the day it was completely fine, not a big deal. But as soon as it turned dark, that area got bad pretty pretty fast. It was crazy where do they go during the day that's the question man it's like raccoons and all these like where are they during the day you know what i mean yeah so uh, i'm gonna um let me preface was how how we actually um saw san francisco at least it was the first time for me i I, bishik was it the first time for you as well yeah it was my first time as well okay so ibad and mohammed had gotten there before us abishik and i um we're finishing up the conference in San Jose and we took a train into San Francisco. So we took a train in and then an Uber to the, um, to the hotel room. And by the time we got there, uh, the sun was already setting. So we didn't really see San Francisco in the day. It was immediately at the night. Um, mm. We, <laughs> we get there, we see Ibad and Muhammad walking down the street. We go up, we kind of freshen up and we decide, yo, let's get something to eat. And for some reason, I think we ended up craving Indian food. We're like, yo, we can really use some Indian food. Let's get that, uh, you know, let's get that uh, going. And um, we found a place not too far away and it was, it was highly rated. I think it was, I think it was a 4.5 plus. So we decided we're going to go and then Abhishek dro- drops this uh, bomb on us and very subtly he's like, yeah, oh, um, you know, uh, this place isn't that safe. So perhaps don't carry unnecessary things. And like, what do you mean? He's like, um, just just that this place uh, may not be the safest I read online. I'm like, what the hell? And uh, after doing a quick uh, Google research, we saw 
stories of how these homeless people might stab you with a used needle and like what <laughs> what the yeah and yeah, like, online there's some crazy stories for that oh, yeah yeah and so um i decided you know what i'm gonna take off i i used to wear a chain and a um a ring and so i i decided you know what i'm gonna take off everything that might attract someone to come and just if they want to rob me they you know if they see those things they'll come towards us so I put everything away. I think I just took my credit card, not even my entire wallet, and we end up uh, going for a walk. And it was one of the shadiest like walks. I just a place I would never imagine in the states. It was extremely shady. No one really bothered us on the way there, but definitely we were a little um, taken back by the situation. Um, we ended up getting this food, and it was the most disgusting <laughs> Indian food. Abhishek can, can talk a bit more about it. I think Abhishek was like, yeah, we were so hungry at the moment. Abhishek did say, Abhishek's like, yo, this, this biryani is not too bad. This is, this is not too bad. Um, but I think that was just out of the fact that we were starving. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I found the name of the neighborhood. It was the, the Tenderloin. Tenderloin. tenderloin that's it yeah. tenderloin oh and it did i think there's a it's saying tender. by uh dave Chappelle that says there's nothing tender about uh tenderloin. <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, i remember uh during the day like the next day when we were walking um to the breakfast place we crossed some of those neighborhoods as well and we did see uh like empty or used needles by just by the sidewalk Right? Oh there's yeah, like yeah. Area sure. where there's just a bunch of needles just by the sidewalk. Exactly, bro. That, that place was honestly uh, a sketch thing. And on our on our way back to the hotel, um, Ibad ends up uh, stepping in shit. <laughs> <laughs> Initially, we thought perhaps it's dog shit, but it was definitely too much for. Uh, oh boy, dog shit. It was human poop. There's people shit on the street on. In San Francisco, like I could never have imagined, this is a um, an actual thing that happens. I think I had heard about these things, but you don't actually you're not prepared for human poop. Um, so that was our introduction to San Francisco. Despite all this craziness, and there's there was a lot of craziness. Even that night, uh, we we nearly probably got robbed. I'm not sure what the situation was. We um, we um at, we yeah we wanted point. some uh, we wanted some snacks late night and uh, uh there was a gas station close by so we went there and this gas station was completely locked and this lady uh or i think I, I don't remember if it was like a male or female attendant but the lady was they the were, lady, yeah. yeah they were behind uh like they were behind the closed uh, in that cubicle and it was uh, they even had like an extra grill and then there was just like a small area to put your uh, money in mm. and whatever snacks you want, you just point it out to her and she'll be like, okay, this is this. And then she'll put it in that area. She'll lock it from her side and then you take it and then she'll take the money from there. Like it was that kind of system. So <laughs> I think it was one of the very bad neighborhoods. Or something. It was, it was definitely sketchy. The, and the gas, gas station was mostly empty. I mean, they weren't stocked up on, anything i mean like there's just it looked like someone had robbed the place you know you would see in a post-apocalyptic kind of thing they just kind of left a few things here and there 
So uh, Ibad and I are taking our sweet time. We're like, oh, can you show us that candy, this candy? And this homeless man comes up to us and he asks me to buy him something to eat. I think drink. Like, can you get me Dr. Pepper or Fanta? He says something fruity like that. And I said, no, nah, man, I'm sorry. Just like leave us alone. Um, and then all I hear is Muhammad and Abhishek are like, Yo, he's, he's, he's calling some people over. Oh. So, so he starts calling people over and Ibad and I are too busy with like, I want that candy and this candy. <laughs> And this, this is where uh, Muhammad just kind of loses. He's, he's like, you fuckers, get, you know, um, hurry up. Like, just get whatever you need and just, just get out of here. There's people coming over. And um, now I'm starting to get the sense of, oh, shit, things about to happen. And and he he starts panicking. And even Abhishek's like, yo, yo, they're actually coming over. There's, there's oh, no, there's a few of them coming over. And now I just yes, feel this. Were, I think there were already a bunch of people that were, uh, across the street like in this in dark area so we were already when we were when we came to the gas station we were already kind of careful of those people over over there yeah and they they seemed like uh, uh like a shady bunch and then when this guy started he started he did some signal to them and they did actually start moving towards us exactly and by the time it was where they were just right around us that's when I started realizing, okay, you know, this is this is getting perhaps a little serious. So I tell the lady, uh, that's it. We'll just, just give us a, like, so we paid for the items and she starts placing the item into this tray one by one, very slowly. And that's when my mind's like, okay, this bitch is, uh, this, this lady is definitely uh, in on it. She's in on it. She's taking her sweet ass time. And these guys are going to come. And they're going to rob us. Anyway, she takes her sweet ass time. And all I hear is mom was like, they're here. They're here. They're here. And she pushes a tray towards us. We just grab everything and we throw it to Abhishek. You take this. And we all ran. And Abhishek has these chips and things in his arms running with us. He's like, why did you give this all to me? And so now he's running with uh, these potato chips and, and, and all these snacks. And we're just like banking for it. And there's people along the way trying to stop Abhishek to get in on those snacks. It was a, it was definitely a, a very funny moment. But that was our first night in San Francisco, that beautiful, beautiful city. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys been to San Francisco? Um, uh, Nolan, Shiroz, Rami? Never, never, no. no I um, yeah, I've been there. Oh, you have? Yeah, I did a trip with uh, with my wife. What we did was we started in San Francisco, then we rented a car, and then we drove to LA. Oh man, that that's amazing! Nice. Yeah. I, it was, I it was wanna, an amazing trip, man. I wanna I wanna do that. That's like one of one of the things on my bucket list to do that drive from uh, SF to LA. It's beautiful. It's they have the highway right? one. Yeah, they have that highway that's right on the ocean, the Pacific mm, Ocean. Pacific Coast Highway. And you, you, exactly. So we stopped by different cities, stayed the night. So we went to Monterey, Morro Bay, obviously went to LA. Then we actually went even more south up to uh, that guy from Blink-182. He's from there. Oh, man. San Diego? A city. Long oh, Beach. No, no, not San Diego. Long Beach. Yeah, so we saw Orange County, Calabasas, all these areas. Honestly, it's beautiful. California is heaven on earth, uh, minus the, you know, the heroin problem. But <laughs> it is... Uh, <laughs> It, it was definitely an amazing trip and um yeah i enjoyed it no that uh, definitely i would definitely go back to san francisco but um 
I would not. I don't think I'd work in, in Silicon Valley. I don't think I want to work in San Francisco. That's uh, That was definitely one thing I took out of that trip. That, that I had this idea of well, I'd love to work in San Francisco. I'd love to work in, in the Silicon Valley, San Jose, get paid a lot of money and be surrounded by all this tech. Um, and as great as it was, I... I don't think that's an environment I, I want to. That's the question. What is it about the Pacific Northwest? Not just uh, obviously, you know, from California, Pacific Northwest, but if you go to Seattle, what is it about in Portland? What is it about those areas that is like social justice warrior breeding ground? I don't, what is it about there? It's such a capitalist place, yet there's super social justice there. What, you know, what's in the air? Good question. I don't, I don't know if I, I know the history behind why they became the way they are. So, so a theory, I guess, historically, is that this is this is way before even tech grew a foothold okay. in the West. But hmm. um, the people who who settled out west, I guess, in the early 1800s, yeah, mm-hmm. um, always tried to create a distinction between those. The country was run from the east. The country was run from Washington, right? Correct. And they always tried to um, have a distinction from. Um, from those in the east and those in the south, um, and for I mean a hundred years they were kind of left on their own um, until they built you know the cross country railway and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's kind of like generations of um, a, a distinction that was setting up there, and as tech and everything grew and um, more people um started moving west there was always that kind of um union base and mm. uh, rebellion that was always kind of in the west and it, it's kind of grown through through generations really that's interesting is, yeah, is it's really a historic thing or is this something because i would have assumed that obviously history um has some uh path to play towards this trajectory but i always thought it was because of the entertainment industry like Hollywood really drove this identity of uh, um, being very liberal. Arts- but the thing is, the, the Pacific Northwest is not necessarily the, ho- you know, that's not Hollywood, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But w- what is, I know California is a very old state, but things like uh, um, cities like Seattle and Portland, how, how old are these cities? In relation, in relation to other places like out east in the U.S., I mean they're fairly newer if you're if you're comparing yeah it to- i think he's right because i know american express um i believe it was american express when they when this whole thing that you were talking about uh nolan when you're saying that they went out west uh, a lot of play people went out west um I, I believe there was like a gold rush happening if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah you're absolutely right yeah so uh, that's where wells fargo was born so, so one of the partners of american express or somebody to do with american express that was really up there basically decided they wanted to move out west home base and the company split and basically wells fargo was born mm-hmm. but then again um back to your original question i, I honestly don't know if uh, anyone actually knows why um, it's just very strange like you know you think okay i thought maybe it's the weather and people in cold places you know we don't have time for that right but at the same time you know there, there's warm there's a lot of warm countries that have nothing you know there's no uh natural instinct for this social justice and not that i'm saying social justice is the wrong thing but what social justice you know means today is, is extremely strange you know um there's one thing about you know social equity and, and those things and there's another thing when you're arguing you know 
that there, there should be 32 genders, you know? I just want to know what is it about that, that area, that region? What's in the air that makes you just... Yeah, male and female isn't real. You know what the hell? Where does that come from? Well, no, I think I think it's it's it has to do something with uh, definitely with entertainment. There's a Hollywood plays a big part in pushing um, that kind of idea. Like they like whatever is the norm right now. Like obviously, whatever is the norm now was not the norm fifty years ago. So whatever mm-hmm. is the norm now, I think entertainers like to be on the left leading side of whatever the norm is. So it becomes more and more left leaning. So that kind of environment that invites more people so you're more likely to want to move to the west coast if you align with those kind of views so it attracts that and then it probably breeds that too so it's an identity thing that already exists it has been evolving and then so you grow up in an, in an environment that kind of um, brings you up uh, with those kind of thoughts and these kind of uh, beliefs but um, it's probably just, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, um, entertainment. Like Hollywood, Hollywood definitely has a, a big part to play. In- but those movies are disseminated across all of North America. So it's not like it's not the people in New York are not. It's, it's, I think it's just the, the place you're in. Like for instance, culture, uh, yeah. like when we were in San Jose, Abhishek uh, and I spoke about this, um, we were just surrounded by tech. And there's tech in Toronto, there's tech in all other cities like you can go to, but there's something about San Jose um, and even San Francisco to an extent where everything revolved around tech. And there was this atmosphere of competitiveness that was, that at least made me feel very uneasy, which is why I don't think I want to be in a city that's just so tech centric where I cannot wind down and go out and not be surrounded by these talks of tech, these talks of competitiveness, it's like uh, probably what you feel uh, if you lived in downtown New York or if you lived in downtown Toronto. Um, so the I think financial that, sector. Exactly. So I think that kind of environment uh, is what helps. It's not that movies uh, influence uh, their thought alone. It's just. Yeah, I think I, I agree with Asher as well. I think definitely Hollywood has, uh, like the entertainment industry, maybe as a whole, has some part to play to it because they're also selling like that dream that like you know you come here and there's these opportunities and that's why it's attracting people from around around the states to come there and then um, try try out their luck and it's also attracting a certain kind of people right like you have to remember a lot of them are very uh, artistic people um fair point and you know, are, perhaps there is some correlation between a lot of empaths. That but I think the thing that, like, uh, maybe, maybe people think that it's it's the biggest or like it it is one of the biggest platforms. So like, and they have seen that, um, you know, acceptance of different ideas. So they hmm. that's why I think it's anyone who would be different in some sense would want to kind of. Um, go there and uh, experience that because they've seen that oh okay it, this person had a different idea it's accepted they have given a platform maybe something that I believe in will also be given a platform and so that's interesting right because now because you mentioned new ideas and now there's a control of ideas right especially in big tech these big platforms 
as we've seen with the recent news, um, you know, with Parler, with Trump being banned and a lot of actually like conservative leaning accounts being banned, there is a control of ideas uh, under the guise of um, what is it like safety and protection, incitement of violence, whatever it is. So now we're seeing this shift from, yes, you know, before it was like this mirage of, yeah, we accept all ideas, you know, freedom of speech, the First Amendment, whatever the, whatever the amendment was. I don't know which one is the free speech one, but you got what I'm saying. Now it is. No, it's got to be in line with, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is right now. So just super left leaning. Um, I don't even know if that's the right term, but like just this, it's no longer an acceptance of all ideas. It's an acceptance of some ideas. And those ideas now go through the filters of Jack Dorsey, whoever runs Twitter, whoever runs um, Facebook. And now even Google, I don't know if you guys know, on Rogan, uh, he was talking about how, have you guys heard of the uh, search engine called DuckDuckGo? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So. He so there was a story about a doctor who passed away after taking the COVID nineteen vaccine. Are you guys aware of that? Yes, I actually came across that. So that that story and and look, you know what? Like, whatever it it happens. What do you expect, right? It's not you don't just stop taking a vaccine just because of this anecdotal evidence. But the point is, there was this thing. It's a real thing that happened, and it's not. You can't really find it on Google. At least it took a long time for Rogan himself to find it on Google when he typed the same search on DuckDuckGo. It was available very it was very accessible to find that story but he couldn't find it on google and that gets scary now where is that a form of censorship like you know what's going on that's a good question i i this is how i see it i, I don't think this is a new phenomenon i think it's it's a new phenomenon in the sense that the control is even greater so there's i think all aspects of our thought are are being controlled um um but I think it's it's always existed. It's there's always been uh, pr- probably not to this extent, but there's something like this has always existed. Where back in the day it was like anti-communism, or um, you know, I'm sure during the Roman times there's propaganda. I mean, Augustus, you know, Caesar's uh, adopted son was well known for propaganda. So idea of this this thought of um, influencing what. How, what people think is existed controlling of what course, people think. Of course, but that, that, the, the reason why this is different is you're talking about a platform that's open. It's an open-ended platform where everybody can share any, like communist ideas are, I can go on Twitter right now and find people who agree with communism. You know, I can go on uh, Facebook and join a, a Facebook group for communists of Canada. The difference now is it sounds like these platforms are no longer going to, or, or are now starting the slippery slope yeah. Of being like, no, we have to have a control. So yes, you're right. Uh, Augustus wrote his own, you know, autobiography, which is hilarious. You have, um, you know, history is very subjective. You know, it comes yeah. down to who the audience was and who they were writing for. So you're right. That's not a new idea. But what was, was, was were these so platforms always supposed to be like? For me, this is becoming something. It's validating something that our eyes, I already saw coming or thought mm-hmm. was coming. I mean. Um, it's, this isn't the first time conservative voices have been banned. If, if we're talking about Joe Rogan, uh, Joe Rogan had um, these two people from Twitter. I can't remember the episode's name and who they were. But he they, had Jack Dorsey. And, Jack Dorsey. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and he had one other person who handles... I, I remember what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and even in that, there were... And this is, I think, at least two years ago. They talk about it, and um, they didn't have really answers to why. They, they kept implying that, it, oh, they're not... Um, silencing left uh, sorry right leading voices but there are clear evidences and they couldn't really justify why um 
they had um, another podcaster on the, on the same podcast that was giving specific examples. Oh, and, that yeah, that that reporter uh, that I know exactly. Oh man, I forgot that guy's name. I know you. And in in that they, I, I think one one of the claims that they made was oh because uh, these these people are being banned because they're um, inciting like they're they're threatening threatening th- threatening ideas or threatening they're actually threatening people and he he says well I've reported to Twitter several times of left leaning uh, people that are inciting violence towards specifically towards me and Twitter hasn't taken action as of yet so. It's probably not more in your face than it mm-hmm. was a couple of years ago, but that that is definitely a slippery slope. And I, I'm, um, I don't think these platforms they they are they like to act like they're all for um, these flow of ideas and so forth. I mean, even Twitter posted something about how elections happening. Where were the elections happening? There were some elections happening after they banned Twitter. And the government banned Twitter. Uganda. Uganda, exactly. No, do you know a bit, a bit uh, more about the story? Yeah, um, to a certain degree. So, uh, the current uh, Ugandan president has been there for, I believe, decades. He's he's more of um, oh autocrat. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And um, these guys are the first to realize uh, a threat to power, and um, when they saw. When they saw what happened to the U.S. president, it was pretty evident um, that the only way they could um, they could kind of uh, keep their influence on the country is uh, if they take these companies out. The interesting part of it was um, the fact that these companies got all upset, um, not realizing the hypocrisy that uh, <laughs> yeah they, they kind of just uh, went through a couple of days earlier. So that, that was the interesting That's part hilarious. Of that. yeah. But see, here, here's the thing, man. Like, I, I, I don't wear the full tinfoil hat. I always think that, look, with, with anything I hear with any subject, you, ha- you, you have to hear bold views. And sometimes the truth is generally in the middle. I don't think Twitter, Facebook, Alphabet, whatever, all these companies, I don't think they're secretly malicious. I don't think that they're, they have malicious intent. I just think this is just like horrible execution uh, very odd pressures that are coming from I don't know God knows where, but I don't think the intent of, for example, Twitter banning Donald Trump is this no, no, umbrella the idea thing. of destroying the, the world. The, their intent may come from a good place, but their action are very malicious. I mean, this isn't the first time, man. Like even what was the guy's name, Dorian or Jack um, Dorsey? No, no, Jack not Dorsey, Dorsey. Yeah. No, no, no. There's a there's another guy, a Google engineer that came out with a. Um, a paper, a white oh, paper. The memo, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. this was that so went viral. Yeah, he, he that went viral. He lost his job, and, and the story even behind it of how, why he wrote it, and where it came from. It, like, sure, it doesn't come from a. We can we can say that the intent isn't all bad. They're trying to do good, but you know, the end will never justify the means. I think that's something that. Um, is very clear to to a lot of people that just because um, you're you're trying to reach this like utopian end, how you reach that utopian end is very important. So, but this is the beauty of the free market. Like this is the thing: if we agree that these companies are too big, right? 
there's there's a few directions. Either you say these companies are honestly too big and you do what they tried to do the Microsoft in the 90s, I believe, where they tried to split them up, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you guys are too big. So either you take that approach where government gets involved or you just allow the free market to run. And if if the, if people, you, you vote on your attention. Your vote is your attention. You could choose to not use Twitter and use a, a, another platform that is allowing many voices, okay. right? That, that, that's your, uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting, it's, it's, it's a very interesting point, but are they so big that they kind of control the marketplace of ideas, right? And that, Let, but that's my question. So do you want government involvement then to be like, you know what, this is too powerful and let's, uh, we want our hands in, in the, in the, you know, in the sector now? I mean, I, I think that's a debate to be had, but the, the fact is like, hmm. okay, so you don't, you don't like Twitter. Okay, let's let's use something else. Um, let's use mm-hmm. Parler. Oh, mm-hmm. everyone pulled their ISPs for Parler and, <laughs> and now that's down. The same people who, you know, are in are, you know, Google, uh, Amazon, like all, all these big yep, tech yep. companies, right? So so now they're also killing the competition. So so where do you go? But that's what I'm saying. So you're telling me that there's no other, for example, server provider out there, small business, whatever it is, like that, you know what, we're gonna make a statement that we're supporting Parler. And this will be a great move because, again, there's a lot of people like us uh, and others even who are left-leaning who still think it's wrong, who would be like, you know what, I- I'm going to vote with my attention and I'm now going to use this other provider. Just to add to your point, um, just recently Twitter, they suspended Iran's Supreme Leader's account and also they suspended an Antifa-related account. So I don't think it's completely left-wing. They I mean, those, become those people are all right-wing people. They're, they're all right-wing people. I mean, you know, uh, Antifa is more, more, more of a true, like, uh, terrorist organization that wants to destroy things, and they have supported left-leaning ideas. Mm. So, so I don't know. No, I, I just believe in the free market, man. Like, I, as much as I understand, AWS blocks Parler. This person blocks it. I think there is a path forward for these companies to figure out a way to, um, you know, actually use this as a platform, as a, as a, as a platform to really get in the front face of people like us who are, who want to now take a stand yes there is i mean look at the pirate bay both sides hate that damn place yet it's been running for like 10 15 years they can't take it down it's so decentralized so i mean partly they got so much money that they can't do shit with it so this podcast is brought to you in part by dm the app what is dmvapp.com you ask well if you have guests coming over and you don't want them to know that you're a filthy pig you can order an on-demand cleaning service with DMD app. And in just a few clicks, a cleaner will be there to make you look as good as you want to look. Uh, alternatively, if you have an in-law uh, that you, you know, want to impress, uh, you can order DMD app services to show the handyman that you wish you were and get all those little tasks taken care of uh, again in a few clicks. So DMD app, use gift code GIFT10 uh, for $10 off your next order. D-M-D-I-E-M-D-App.com. So let's let's get back to what we were uh, talking about here. Rami brought up uh, this, this thing where you know social media, these tech companies, social medias, are they silencing a certain subsect of ideas? Are are, are we limited in our thoughts, uh, thoughts that we can share on these platforms? Or I don't think the question is are they doing. It? I think we know that they are. The question is why well, can't? Well, we the four, the five of us might might agree that they are, but I don't think that most people generally um, will even accept this idea that there is a form of censorship happening. 
Some I think at, once Trump was removed, they do. Everyone knows now that okay, they're they're taking matters like this in their own hands. I think now it's just. I mean, when the president gets kicked off Twitter, mm. uh, I think it's clear to all society. Anyone who uses these platforms now knows. Can, they, that, can, okay, can most people distinguish between what is censorship? This idea of censorship and this idea of I don't like Trump. I think for that, I think for people who agree with the block. They believe that Trump was genuinely dangerous to society, and for those who are, didn't agree with the decision, they believe that you know the um, that free like, you know the dissemination of ideas, all ideas, whether you agree with them or not, should always be protected at all times. I don't think any party is unaware, though, that you know Twitter or whoever is taking a, these big tech companies are taking a hand in it. You know, it just whether you call it censorship or not, censorship or not, uh, depends on your you know. They might say, yes, it, yes, it's censorship, but it's censorship for the greater good, and, and they agree with that, whereas other people might say... That's, that's, you know, that's, yeah. that's uh, what I mean. I don't think people are willing to... Like, um, are people going to say that censorship is okay? Are, 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 we, are we saying that most people are okay with censorship now? I, I don't think they've given it uh, an actual deep thought onto what just happened. Not many people are talking about, okay, what, what has been done? What is the precedence of what's, what's been done? It's more so, oh, we didn't like Trump. He's an idiot. He's a fat idiot, this orange man. I'm glad he shut up. I don't think many people have given it an actual thought beyond just, I think the fat man should have been shut up a long time ago. They, they it's a luxury thought for you to have time to really sit down and, and take these ideas and and you know run all you know all the scenarios in it's your not head. A luxury thought. I don't think it's a luxury thought, bro. If you identify with with mm-hmm. a point of view that's being silenced, and more and more you feel like you cannot express the way you think, the way you feel, or have an open dialogue, then it's not a luxury thought. It it is like right now we're talking about politics, okay? Ideas come in all forms and sizes. What if it, tomorrow it's about religion? What if something mm-hmm. that's something that as for some people, their viewpoints on on politics is as strong as religion, right? This is the this is the way they they think the world should work. This is the way they want to live their life. They, they it's an it's it, for them it might be a crisis. So it's not a, just a luxury. No, a luxury. You uh, you said people are not sitting down and thinking about the repercussions of these actions. It's a lot. Not everyone even gives up. People, most people are too busy to sit down and think about these existential questions. Most people, they just work, they sleep, they eat, they feed their bellies, they feed their families' bellies. And really all they want to do is get by and, and, you know, enjoy their life to whatever capacity. These questions are just not something that affects them on a day-to-day. No, they, 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 okay, this is where I, my thought come from comes to when it comes to social media, entertainment, and in general, what I, what I consider a form of propaganda most people are swayed in what to be uh, what to be upset about and mm-hmm. what should what they should be vocal about. So these most general population were very vocal and in support, whether they gave it uh, deep thought or not, um, they tried at least when it came to things like Black Lives Matter, that those protests mm-hmm. were yep. very uh, recent. So there and there's other examples of that. And then here's another problem that there are people that are speaking up about it, but I think people are influenced not to actually care about it. It's, it's not, I think uh, I, I, I kind of agree with Rami that I think it's, it's a luxury thought to some extent, 
like maybe there's people that are thinking about it but it's going to like someone has to lead it forward for more people to think about it Absolutely. so the events that just happened i think because of those events now um even like people who got affected by it like you know people who got banned and things like that they started thinking right that oh wow this is like so controlled that we can even be banned so like now we need to start thinking about having our own thing and this goes back to even um even even with like this has happened for so long in like news media media outlets have mm. always been biased to one side or the other and i think probably that's what we're going to start seeing in tech as well where slowly now there's going to be like kind of a biased and unbiased kind of thing and then another another problem here is that this entire thing with big tech doing the regulation ban- banning this and all that stuff i think it's a twofold problem so one one issue is that the us government allowed them to just you know scoop up competitors and just do these sales they didn't regulate these sales so now they have become so Fair big point. that there's Fair no point. competitors and then the second issue is even though if if you regulate that somehow and you split big tech which they're saying that okay there will be like you know which google tried to do by becoming alphabet and then splitting it further even if you split it the next issue is how do you actually still regulate it because if there's more players you still need to regulate them as well like how do you how do you decide the rules for you know like okay yeah this is hate speech versus this is not hate speech versus this person should be banned like how how are those rules going to be decided that's that is the beauty of true free speech and that is something that i think people take very lightly because um they want to categorize free speech with okay we don't want to allow hate speech okay that in essence and on the surface sounds amazing yeah no one want to allow hate speech but what is hate speech so you need some sort of arbiter that decides what that hate speech is i don't want that to be the government i don't want that to be anyone there we can say collectively perhaps society can decide as a social construct a uh, contract between everyone that well okay we're not going to talk about this but these i but but this idea that someone has to come and tell us what we can and what cannot talk about sounds all good until they tell us that we cannot talk about something that we feel like is important to talk about so yeah so i i agree that i agree to that to some extent because the issue is that like if you look before pre social media and uh, um yeah like pre pre digitization world you know we had like news outlets or mediums to receive news as tv uh, or other entertainment news like movies or news right and mm-hmm. all of those means were censored so movies has some sort of censoring right tv also has some sort of censoring mm-hmm. now with social media coming in i agree to your point that everyone should have that thing of having free speech um that like you have the right to whatever is your thinking to put your point forward but that social media is now actually also merging into these means of uh, uh news like so many times things from twitter and like you know social media is actually it's going it's making it in front of even like kids 
mm-hmm. and you know um, other groups like that who who are getting exposed to that information so it's it's kind of becoming this overlapping world so uh, like that's why I, even i'm i'm not sure how you properly regulated but it still needs to be censored to some extent because it's making it into a everyday persons um, which is why facebook actually surprised they got rid of facebook news if you guys remember well it didn't it, it that doesn't help with anything facebook did what they did because of basically backlash of echo chambers that that basically people are talking about these echo chambers that existed that helped trump won in 2016 um, yeah but they gave a profit for that like they took that backlash bro they they you're getting well you're getting attention you're selling ads right and facebook uses popular even i was using facebook i'm sure all of you guys on facebook uses yeah, there you'd click on articles the, the, the profit analysis on that was okay we're making money off of it but are we losing credibility are we losing like if people are so upset with facebook to an extent it doesn't make sense to risk their entire business for this one subset but what i think it was just a loud minority but yeah but what i mean sorry what I think it was a loud minority, as you as it always is with these things. It's it may be a loud minority. I think often it is a loud minority that's with a uh, backing of people that aren't vocal, but they've been influenced to think that way. So Abhishek brought up a good point. And again, in, on surface, I think that sounds all good and dandy, but. Who decides what what fact checking is? Who decides what is news and what isn't news? I mean, if we we step back to twenty years ago, okay, let's talk about things again. That's another controversial topic. Nine eleven, like nine eleven, really changed the world. It opened uh, the eyes and uh, ears of many people throughout the world to things that have already existed. So, for instance, um, um, this entire world of conspiracies became mainstream now. People were, were talking about conspiracy that existed, how 9-11 happened, there's how, how could it have happened without, any, without someone inside involved. There were all these reports, blah, 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 but the world changed. And our view of what was going on was solely influenced by mainstream media, which is still the case now, even though we have multiple different outlets but mainstream media still controls the narrative so the narrative for about 15 years in the media was muslims are terrorists they are involved yes there's always that element of like not all muslims are bad but there's a general kind of uh voice in the air that look how bad muslims are and that led to like the repercussions of that was what people didn't give a crap about the facts that uh, weapon of mass destruction didn't exist in Iraq. Like, well, the UN did not allow, uh, did not okay sanction the US to invade Iraq. Iraq got invaded, millions of people died. So this, who decides what is okay and what is not okay? But see, the, see for me, I, this is actually an opportunity. You see, before the internet, when you only had these four or five major news networks, that question of who who decides who are the arbiters was even, you know, it was a monopoly in a sense, right? You yeah. had these monopolies. Now we have this amazing opportunity with the, and it only works with the free market, 
where, you know what, you're right. Who's going to be the arbiters of truth? When you have a news report, how do you fact check? Who's going to fact check all that crap? Those are actually real problems. But you know what the beauty is? That now we actually have the means, the technology to at least start tackling that. You know, so I actually see this as an opportunity. Before, you didn't, you, you didn't really have a choice. You, had to, you only had these five options to listen to, and you kind of just deal with that, right? And you have to remember that the average consumer is not just going to read, doesn't read an article and then go through the sources and see, is this a double-blind placebo study? Is this, where is this coming from? What is, you know, no, so we're all stuck to headlines now. And we all see where that leads to, right? People read headlines and that's news. But no, at but least now with the internet, you can start tackling these problems. Somebody, again, with the free market, maybe somebody will come up with a solution for how to pr provide objective news. There is no objectivity in news. That's, I think people need to, that's another, that's, that in its own is an entire topic. How is there objectivity in news when there's always multiple sides to a story? Objectivity, that would be, objective news would be displaying all the sides of an argument or a premise or a story that are available. And just these are, this is, these are the facts that have been brought to us. Here are the sources that have provided us these facts. And it's up to you as the reader to decide, you know, what's going on. So instead of having these, the problem is when you're not polarizing, if you're not making polarizing pieces, you lose attention. Products sure. are polarizing. Every being polarizing is actually a beneficial thing. And if you think Trump didn't play with that, then you guys are, you know, then we're all fooled. Being polarizing works, and that's why even all these news networks have become extremely polarizing now. Fox and CNN, if I'm not, if I'm misunderstanding, they were actually, you know, less uh, on the extremities of their viewpoints. But as the internet came in and they had to become more competitive, they become extremely polarizing. Somebody like a Ben Shapiro. He's not an objective news source. You know, he, we all listen to his stuff, but he, what is it? I, we are the number one conservative radio podcast in the world. Right off the bat, everything he's looking at is on the lens of conservatism. So being polarizing sells, but for people like us, and, and I think it's going to be a growing thing, people don't want, they don't want left and right. They just want to know the facts. And, whether, and facts, like you said, can be subjective. So give me whatever information is available and let me decide. But no, do it in a way that's easy for me to digest. Okay, but... Back to Abhishek's original point, which is a very good point. That look, Abhishek mentioned that um, social media has become a space not just for social gathering, virtual social gathering, but it's also become an outlet for news and facts being shared. So he po po pointed out a good thing where, um, good point even, where even elections as well, like people are. Uh, Promoting their campaigns and like you Correct. Know, pretty much everything is happening on social media. Platforms. It's much bigger than elections too. You have the whole financial sector running off headlines from tweets. Yeah. You, oh, have, oh, you have yeah. algos trading mm. off news on Twitter. It's much more integrated. Okay, so given that, look, we know how important social media is. Do do you? I guess my question for you guys, based on what Abhishek said, is: Do you think it really needs to be regulated? Well, I don't mean like no regulation. I think that's like, dangerous. That's my opinion on it. I want to hear you guys. What is dangerous? To regulate social media. Okay. And when, when you say, say regulate, regulate, I'm assuming and, you mean government involvement. Any so form of regula regulation. And when I say regulation, I'm not talking about removing child pornography, pornography or child like um, like there's certain form of regulation that's fine. What what I mean is regulating free thoughts and ideas and. Do do we do you think it's a good idea to have an arbiter that? Uh, yeah, either. So go on. Yeah, either regulate or like somehow manage it better, right? So that there's still like that exposure, that control that was there before, 
remains because i don't think as a society we want to expose everyone to every single thing that's out there right because you know what's there on the internet right so correct we don't want all of that to also creep in into because social media is especially now even with the pandemic it's even more of a bigger part of our lives that it's the place to socially it, it's society online it's, a con- it's much, really yes. called society online that's what it is yeah. okay but if it's society online okay should is it okay for then social media uh companies for themselves to start imp- uh implementing these overarching regulations where they are private enterprise dude that's my they're private let if, if you want to co- don't complain compete that's how i but i mean this 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 it's easy to say that there's a free market and and in the free market things will flourish but then there's also influence that exists in the world and there's also backing so for instance if you the five of us went ahead and started our own social media social media is only uh um worthwhile if there's enough following right so now you have these big entities that are for profit and they will crush com- com- uh, competition so how did a company like tiktok you if, if you someone came to you and said i have this idea it's kind of like vine it's going to be videos blah 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 the response from Rama will be like, dude, you're, what are you going to complete with freaking Snapchat and Instagram? Yeah, but, but TikTok was pushed through the Chinese, uh, Chinese government, man. Like, so they I had mean, backing, they were, financial were, backing. Yeah, they had financial backing. They had, they had a whole massive state enterprise that was supporting them. This is beautiful. Okay, great. So now for P, for all these conservative voices that are now being banned and blocked and they need an outlet or they want an outlet, they want their own society online. You're, wouldn't there be an incentive for them to use their financial backing that, to is, prop up? They may or may, may not. There's a, b- before we get into that, yeah. do you think that that's a, that's a good thing to happen? Does, that is just causing, causing more polarization. We should so do- you want Twitter and these big tech companies that are currently doing the things that we don't agree with, you want them to self-regulate or have, you know, um, b- you know uh, Big Brother kind of get involved now? I think what they're doing is in some countries like uh, like Germany, I think they they regulated using just the lo- whatever the local laws they have on speech. So whatever mm. the laws they have on speech apply the same there uh, online as well. And then I think in some other countries it's based on uh, like if you're if if you are presenting news from media outlets, those media outlets are already being regulated. Okay, I understand what you're saying. I, so, I don't know, man. I I, I'm a believer of, of the free market, and I think that there is there is an equation out there. It, look, if there's enough people that are have disdain for the decisions that are being made, and they want, and, and now there's a supply for what we're looking for, um, or sorry, there's a demand for what we're looking for. Somebody can fulfill and provide the supply. Okay, for but yeah. I mean, those those are again things that sound good, but in practicality, how possible is that? When you I mean, look, look, look at the Pirate Bay, that's free market at its finest. You have a company or like a set of people that are sharing yeah. pirate content. They're being attacked by both sides of the political spectrum, but they currently exist and they will continue to exist because of how decentralized they are and how much the demand is another is. example. Exactly. But, 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 okay, let's take pirate, exam, pirate Bay for an example. Pirate Bay at one point was really well known until it was taken down. And then since then, they've been moving their servers around again and again until one gets shut down, they open another one. So that's that. That is a form of a rebellion. It is. It is technically shouldn't exist, 
no governments actually want the pirate bay to exist, but they keep moving the servers around to in, in, in countries that don't have those laws uh, uh, in place, okay? But again, Pirate Bay is not equivalent to social media platform that's for the general population. You don't have, I, I'm pretty sure if we went out and asked a normal person, you know, 10 normal people, uh, do they still use a Pirate Bay? Most likely they don't even know that it exists, right? So that, yes, there's there's a rebellious uh, portion to, to this where, yeah, you, you can somehow make it happen, but you don't want just a space that just, will somehow make it happen. I, I, but what, then what's your alternative? Because what you're saying, you're A, it's basically believing that these guys, really what you're saying is, unfortunately, the free market actually won't work because these guys are too big now. So therefore, then what is your therefore? What comes after? I'm not saying that there's an easy solution out there, nor do I have a solution. I just don't think that the steps that they've taken is justifiable under the uh, act of this is a private entity and therefore they can do whatever the hell they want. Either they, either they, if they, if that is something that they're going to do, then they need But they to, didn't do anything illegal. Uh, so just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it's not something that uh, we shouldn't talk against. So my, my point is that either uh, get off your high horse and say how it is. We're a profitable business and we're, we're taking this action and we are, do, uh, we are censoring certain people and certain voices well, why would they do that to themselves why would they do that i mean why would, they're not beholden to anyone to say or talk like that Th that's what i'm saying this is where this is where they're morally corrupt these entities have become morally corrupt and they act they're, basically they're hypocrites these are hypocritical like nolan brought a good good example this whole uganda thing happened within the same week the, the hypocrisy at its at its peak either they Either everyone admits that these social media platforms are not for free speech. They are going to censor a certain kind of group, a certain, certain kind of thought. And then we move on from there. At least we all accept that fact. And then we move on from there. Or we fight uh, this uh, sort of self-regulation and say no regulation. None of these banning. And how do you, and that's what I'm saying. You, are you going to fight within their ecosystem? Yeah, of course. Look, we talked about this last time. Why did they take the step? Because they felt empowered. Look, the pe people's voice is more powerful than the government's regulation. And I don't think the government should be involved in these things because I don't trust the government to, to be involved and take these things. Like we have a government that we agree with today and we have a government we don't agree with tomorrow. I don't want the government involved with it. I just think the people need to speak up and say, look, we're not happy with what's going on. I don't agree with Trump. I don't agree with these views. But what just happened is unacceptable. And but you, you do know, like, that that was very voiced. I mean, I know about it. You, almost everybody knows that there's another side that did not agree with this that voice banning of Trump. A minority amongst most people that were just happy that the fat man was... But um, Exactly. So the people who agreed with it, Again, but what I'm saying is the people who agree with it know there are people who don't agree with it, and the people who don't agree with it know that there are people who agree with it. So it's not like there's a hidden, there's no, it's not hidden that it is there hidden. is, it is hidden. This, this, and this is this how discussion. it's hidden. Okay, think about it mm -hmm. this way there's been four years of constant propaganda against Trump in the media, justifiable or not. There, most of news coverage of, of Trump was negative. So there's a perception that has been instilled amongst people that automatically when it comes to Trump, it is wrong. So there are things where Trump took action on that was 
recommendation based off of the previous administration. You can bring mm -hmm. that point and fact forward. For instance, the ban on the Muslim ban, these countries were decided by not Trump's administration, but by Obama's administration. So four years of constant conditioning to basically hate a man. And perception is very important. That, that didn't come from social media. That came from news network. Well, it was propagated by news and social media. You can't distinguish the two anymore. I don't think you can distinguish the two at all. No, but there, there, you can't really blame it all on media. Like he, he was there on Twitter tweeting. Like he's writing those uh, tweets to himself and he's lying in those tweets. No, no. this isn't about Trump's uh, characteristics or him as a person. We're not talking about his flaws as, as a person, but and a conditioning definitely has happened. What was the no, last but time? Most of the, like you're saying news, there was a propaganda in the news to paint a negative image, but most of the news, if you see, was actually coming or started from something that he said on Twitter. This 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 is this is where uh, that's I, the perception. Perception is important. Yeah, you're create you're you're picking pieces of a man that's highly flawed, and any man Obama was equally flawed in certain in certain ways, and now we're gonna start weighing people's flaws. It's not gonna make sense. But for instance, Obama is responsible, directly responsible for millions of deaths across the world. Probably millions in exaggeration, but definitely thousands of young children died. Did the media cover the same uh, way that they would have covered it if Trump had done that? Absolutely not, right? These, this is what I mean by perception is created, it is influenced and is pushed. So now whatever Trump does, it's, it's an hyper, it's it just, Whatever he's done. No, no, I'm saying, so when you say it's pushed, so there's two things here. There's one, the, the news networks that decide to publish these stories yeah. and that these stories are, are flawed. Okay, I agree. But then you say the propagation part. They're propagated by users on these social platforms. The social platform isn't producing the content. They're just allowing a platform for people to share. And so then this, now this, uh, this platform is favoring one voice over the other. So this... The, the, Okay, really but not in my case. So you're saying when I go on social media, I'm mostly seeing conservative voices because their algorithms always pointing me towards the stuff that I read. So I'm seeing more conservative voices than liberal voices. Are you not seeing that on yours? No, I see both. It it really depends on your circle. That's even better. And it yeah. depends on what platform you're talking about. But can we just establish mm. the point that there is a look, propaganda doesn't necessarily always means a conspiracy. Right? It isn't also. It, it may or may not have been. No, the propaganda is just good marketing. It's mark. You're trying to market to your audience. You whether you use lies or hyperbole or whatever. They're okay, obviously so, marketing so to the audience. Let's because this stems from Trump. So let's let's look back in 2016. 2016 happened, and what was the perception created by the media and in in general, uh, voice in social media? It's a joke. It was a joke uh, that Trump even nominated himself. I don't know if you guys recall, Trump nominated, there was there was rumors about Trump's nomination before 2016 in the previous election. He just never went along with it. And so now it's there's this whole perception of it's a joke. It's a Correct. joke. I remember that. That's that how I felt, yeah. a joke, okay? And it was considered a joke until he surprisingly won the nomination. And then... It was like, it was basically, oh, this is a joke because there's no way he could win. And so this 
evolved to when he did win is how can an idiot like him win? How can this perception was it was a, it was like a snowball that's that's kind of falling down the hill, and it got worse and worse and worse. But I'm saying, uh, who are you directing your anger towards? Are you, is this news no, that's the problem? Or I don't have the, I, I don't have anger towards anyone. I'm just saying that look, there's a there's a, there's this environment that was created um, with or without an intent behind it. But this is an environment that existed, and unless we identify that this environment existed and can exist and can happen again we can't move forward like we can correct move- i think this is an old problem i think it's a problem that's always existed and thanks to the internet it's become as, very as obvious trump, no as bad as trump no look everyone hated george bush after uh 9-11 george bush was very- yeah he was made a mockery of as well he did yeah, exactly but so it was it was never as bad as trump at least with george bush there was still that as either buffoon, he's making wrong decisions, Iraq is wrong, blah, blah, blah. But the news, even though it was left-leaning or right-leaning, there were still things like, look, he looks, he he's the president of the United States. There was still that respect that was given to him. Okay. Did it- I understand what you're saying. So, but I, I guess just so I, I don't want to stray too far off topic, because right now we're just talking about news and how the news is doing a bad job at, at providing objective or the posting to objective news without filling with propaganda. But the original sources of this, of this discussion was about social media and censorship. And I think talking about uh, critiquing the news is fair and good, but it doesn't really come, has nothing to do with social media and censorship. It does, it does, because you're saying that, well, because um, my point was that I don't think the government should, government should be involved. I think the people should at least speak up about how wrong this is. But and they saying, are, at least I'm seeing, that is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing both sides. I'm seeing people in full support. And I'm also seeing the voices who are saying this is bullshit. And we do not accept this and you're shadow banning people. I mean, the only reason we even know these things are happening is because these voices are being heard happening. on these platforms. Okay, fine, it's happening, okay? But is, is it being, ba- this is where social media and news outlets are, are come hand in hand. Yeah. You, may be, you might be hearing these things, but it's not, Look, are you going to go talk to your parents and they're going to know about what's going on? No, general populations are oblivious to what's going on and the repercussions of what just happened. Why? Because it's social media. Yes, yes we learn about what's going on through social media, but we're, until we hear it from, whether you like it or not, until we hear it from the news, it is not a real thing. And that is how the general population sees it. So the news has not made it a big deal. And therefore, for instance, do people even know the fact that there was 20,000 troops in inauguration? Why is that not on the news? It's a, an odd thing, but that's a fact. And people don't really uh, know much about it or care much for it because we're not told by our validators. This is something you should be concerned about. This is what I'm saying. So this is, you're, now we're talking about social media's job in disseminating news that is published. No, social media's job is nothing but then just to exist as a platform. And beyond that, um, they should not be silencing certain voices. And that should not be regulated by the government. And that should not, that should not be regulated by anyone other than the people's voice. And until so I want to hear, I want to hear everyone, everyone's thoughts so far on what we, because I feel like it's been a one-sided or like just me and Ashar. Yeah. I want to hear you guys. I think from my side, like, again, like, even where Asher concluded, he, he's saying that it shouldn't be regulated, right? But then 
we still have that big issue of if it is not regulated and everything is being published, then you are even exposing uh, groups uh, of people to hate speech and all of the bad stuff as well, right? But we can't shy away from the fact that those things exist. No, but there's there's some certain groups in our society which they cannot be exposed to them until they are ready for it. No, well, are we afraid of ideas? Like, look, if you're no, because look- there's so see, there's 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 kids, there's a group of like there's a there's that segment there, right? That definitely they need to be shielded from part of it, and then there's also people who are actually. Uh, on social media, maybe just just to have some stress relief and just not like get into all this. Like you know, every time you go on Facebook or Twitter, people just fighting and just talking about all these things. Or, or 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 this hate speech that oh I'll kill you and this all those things. Right, but, but, but it's your choice to kind of sift through what. I mean, you you kind of you can kind of tailor certain things to your your taste, right? Correct. Um, that's true but again there's like my thing is that like there's you know this is uh like it might be easier to do it in north america but over like 80 percent of users of twitter and facebook are in countries outside america where some of these groups are on the internet like it's even a challenge for them to have an access and then figuring out further to like oh like you know figuring out that difference of okay yeah this content i i i don't want to relate to this versus this it, they can easily when they get on the platform just because of uh, like they might not understand the difference so it's very easy for people to just go on the wrong path and that's what like that's why i feel like maybe it's an easier problem to solve in like more developed countries but in developing countries where uh, actually the user base is higher for these platforms, it's a much harder problem to solve. Logan, at the end of the day, these people are adults. Like, if we're honestly going to say that we... Actually, I'll tell you, uh, some of these countries, there's, there's actually people um, that are not even adults are on these platforms. Because there's no, there's no censorship. No one's... In movies, you are doing a censorship where like you know there's like all these certificates that okay if it's uh under 17 plus letting them in and all that but that's not happening on internet it's only dependent on you clicking a checkbox or saying a button yes i am and that's that's about it so are are we saying that just because that we're saying that we're gonna absolve parents of the responsibilities of making sure what their kids are exposed to or not and now we are going to let corporations or maybe the government decide what the kids are exposed to and what kids are not. But that's that's how it's been happening since forever, hasn't it? Like all the education and most of the things are controlled. And I think it is like, I think to a point it makes sense. Like it shouldn't be so much that like you know it's just leaning can be anarchy. Education, look, education is not the same as having a platform that reflects virtually reflects a society. Look, but it's reflecting what you are, you are clicking on based on that, you know, the algorithm. 
not when I first like, bro, that's not that's not we assume that's how the algorithm is necessarily going to work. But what stops the algorithm? What? How do you know how the algorithm works when most people don't know? Perhaps how can the, how can you say for certainty the algorithm? Uh, because the beauty of pattern recognition that all humans are you know gifted with. All of us knew that. Hey, we all noticed this pattern that we talk about something, and now we see ads for that thing. No, no, no. That's not pattern recognition. That's not, that's not what yeah. you're saying. Okay, I want to so, hear also Nolan's uh, views. He's not joined yet. Yeah, but Abhishek brought a good point up. He, he, that regulation should exist because um, they're potentially kids, and that there's societies overseas that are not developed like the. Um, developed world. So that's actually a very good point that he yeah. brought up. I think like, yeah, in general, like from my side, it's not even like, it's not even um, opinion or anything. It's just, it's kind of like a, like a fear that we as a society are moving towards like all the points that you made are all, they, they make sense as well. Like why do this censorship and there should be like, you know, people should be responsible for their own thing. But we have to also keep in mind that as a society, we were living in a society which was historically being censored and controlled. Now we are going towards where we are saying that there should be no control and everything should be accessible to everyone. And then it should be on people to... Exactly. A marketplace of ideas like we've been discussing. And that social media was a marketplace of ideas. And now we're fearing that it's trending back towards some okay, sort of I'll, yeah so i it's, it's like, just my fear that like i wonder okay what let's, let's, let's it's gonna have on this let's list. let's take this to a more lighter place okay um with that with the same point that uh abby you brought up um you we've all seen kids in their teens post some very cringy stuff right we've all seen kids <laughs> potentially ruin that portion of their lives because of what they posted why aren't we talking about if if this is the argument used for silencing certain ideas and and voices? And don't get me wrong, many of those things I don't agree with those point of views that are silenced. I'm just saying that it's it's just dangerous. But if we're gonna use that argument to silence certain voices and thoughts, are are we are we why are we not pushing this when we have kids posting? very questionable things on TikTok or on Instagram or on Facebook. Should, should we not regulate that? Because that leads to potential bullying. That leads to a, a lifetime of scarred mental problems. Like if a kid's been, kids posted something that they thought was cool at 12 years old, and then now they're 15 and they're a laughing stock of their school, that leaves some mental scars. Um, are, we, are we okay with doing that as well then? I think that's that social. That's why social media, this platform that they've created, is, is such a hard. I mean, they have such a big burden. You know, it, it, this is a very tough burden. Yeah, I think uh, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think uh, some of these companies in the past have also asked the government to help them with moderation of content to, like, in some sort, how to create a regulation or something around it. Because it is, we, we do see the impact now. Like this year, I think more than ever, we saw the impact of social media. Even now, uh, I don't know, like just digressing from the topic a little bit, but um, I don't know if you guys heard about like the entire GameStop 
GameStop. Yeah, well, I don't even know yeah. what that oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I like I want to learn about that. What happened? Even 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 that one is uh, so basically what happened was I think um, it's 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 been it's a struggling stock and uh, one of these uh, famous uh, financial invest investor had It's the guy from the big short, you know Michael Burry from the big short yeah. who get better. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's him? Oh wow, I It's him, know. yeah. He goes by Cassandra on Twitter. Okay, so yeah, I think he 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 said that like he's gonna reduce his rating for it or something that he's 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 shorting that stock that it's gonna it's the price is gonna dip and things like Citron, that. Citron, right? right? Sorry. Citron, Citron came uh, after. Citron came after. Yeah, this is about Michael Berry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and then I think it got picked up somehow by the by the Reddit the subredditors, uh, Wall Street bets. <laughs> yes. And then we they're like. Know. From there, it just went crazy. They're like, "We're gonna teach this guy a lesson," and then it apparently he even received threats because later on on the company Twitter they even posted that they're gonna take it down, and uh, it's it's an angry mob, uh, which is the investor of this stock, and we don't wanna have a fight with them. So they it was a twenty dollar stock, and mm. they took it all the way to sixty dollars. It was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's. And it's it's all through subreddit, like it's all those sub, uh, redditors who are driving it up. And which is again, this is this is this is actually opening a new conversation where they're talking about like should these um, uh, places where people are talking about you know financial investment and like uh, discussing mm-hmm. strategy should these be regulated as well because they are seeing a much bigger impact on the market. So my personal view here is, I think, very similar to to Usher's view, is that uh, regulation is this, the biggest slippery slope you'll ever come upon, mm-hmm. and and this is this is the point now that that we're at is that okay, we're we're regulating speech in terms of news news talk and political views, and you know, I guess that's an argument that people want to have, but but now we're going into the the part where we're regulating financial opinion mm-hmm. like like this is like borderline insanity like how, how can you possibly just because um a certain uh, investor rating, says something <laughs> yeah that that now you can you can take down a, a certain uh reddit thread and and all these types of things like i, I think it's just it's an incredible slippery slope and, and quite frankly i don't even want to open that door that um that we could go down. It's just okay. A certain um, certain um, well-known institutions can can create their ratings and what they mm. go say, and you can publish that. But if someone else has an altering opinion, well, they're gonna be removed from having that opinion. It's just I don't know. I think it's wild. Yeah, and that's that's what actually uh, a lot of the people who are against this are saying that like there, there's there's been companies since forever who have been giving investment advice and they have like you know paid subscription models they can easily also do the same thing and they probably have been doing as well look man the, exactly ma- the market is a market to me is a is honestly the biggest joke that's it's uh, irrational completely irrational and um i'd love Sheros to kind of chime in because Sheros told me something a few weeks back this just blew my mind and how how easy it is to disrupt the market especially if, if you have you know a bit of money you can really influence how the stock goes so shows um can you talk about that uh soft bank 
uh, thing that happened in September? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I learned most of my stuff from Nolan anyway, uh, yeah. but I'll summarize it. This is all still completely legal because in the end you're, you're still buying and selling um, derivatives of an equity that a company gives up to the market. Yeah. So what happens is when someone like SoftBank, which yeah. is like a Japanese firm, really, really big, they were betting on the stock price to go up a certain amount. Hmm. And they created this euphoria of just buying extremely high out the money call options, which in the end drove up the stock price of like big tech firms to like levels that we, like we never saw before. Mm-hmm. And when, when they, when they made their profit, they just pulled out and this artificial increase ended up collapsing on itself. And it created like a mini, mini crash in September. And mm-hmm. you only found out about this like afterwards when it came up in the news, like to this level, a big firm like SoftBank can actually manipulate stock prices of like big companies. And you don't know about it until, until, until they're already out. Yeah. So like, at what point do we like regulate even uh, the market? I just, um, is it, uh, like for instance, why, why I know it was, it was ridiculous what happened um, on Friday, but how is that any different from when Warren Buffett says, I'm going to pull my money out of this and I'm going to put, put my money in there? It's not any different. It's still legal because like you have an opinion, it's, it's shared on social media or you say it on a news outlet because it's your decision of what you do with your own asset, okay? People can follow or not follow. It's, it's, not, it's, on, it's on their part. Yeah, I mean like even the, like there's so many ridiculousness that happened last week uh, or in the last couple of weeks. Elon Musk mentions move to Signal, and then and a, a company <laughs> yeah. that has nothing to do with that app, it just it, it skyrockets. I think at one point it was up four hundred percent. Yeah, it was. And it's honestly, because... the market it makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it legitimate. It's not based on financials. It's not. It's 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 purely speculation and hype. Yeah. Not and anymore. It... it used to be until we saw that big crash in two thousand eight. Ever since then, fundamentals have completely changed. But that, look, I, that's what's you have a lot of um, companies whose securities are worth more today than they were pre-COVID, which makes absolutely no sense. I don't so, understand how it's um, even possible. No one can explain more about this and how so, much the Fed is involved. So you're, you're essentially what you're talking about is yeah, an, an individual company's bottom line. Um, you're like, oh, well, they haven't improved. Why are valuations 40, 50 times earnings, right? Yeah. And I mean, the simple answer that anyone can come through is Fed liquidity. And it's the okay. only answer that anyone can can possibly give at this point. What does that mean? Essentially, what's going on is um, the United States Federal Reserve is, is spending just incredible amounts of, well, they're creating money out of thin air, right? Um, they're printing, um, creating liquidity bubbles. So essentially they then purchase for the first time we heard about that they purchase corporate bonds. Mm. So they're actually buying, um, bonds of companies like individual, like company debt. Yeah. Like corporate bonds. Exactly. Company debt. And this is actually like boosting, um, all these stocks. And the average investor, like the guy in Wall Street bets and stuff is like, well, am I really going to fight the Fed? Because they're the ones who are pumping all this money into into all these markets and these asset classes. And you pair that up with the fact that we're at uh, record 
uh, low interest rates. Mm. So people that have money, where are they going to put it? Are they going to put it in um, things that, you know, why are they putting it in a bank with like a 0% interest rate, 0.1% interest rate? Money has to go somewhere. And the highest return is well, currently in, um, in the financial markets, right? Um, that's where it, it's when interest rates are at extremely low levels, you pool your money into where um, the highest percentage gain will, will come through. And that's where it is right now because everything else has an incredibly low interest rate, right? Even real estate, I mean, real estate in certain markets is fine, but um, this is where you want to move your, your, your asset classes. So, so that's why you're seeing the whole kind of flow in of, of all this. Um, it's like a chain feeding off. It, it's just a, a never ending chain that feeds off each other. And it, it comes off the term, like Shroz was uh, explaining um, about SoftBank, like these big, they call market whales. It's like gamma hedging, right? So they're, it's just feed, the market's feeding off the market at this point. And it's all based on the promise of unlimited Fed liquidity. I mean, eventually that'll come to an end when things like um, inflation come back or if it ever comes back. But I mean, there's a theory that inflation is going to come back and, and this kind of puts an end to the Fed will then have to raise interest rates. And that kind of puts an end to this um, um, printing, nonstop printing, right? Uh, once inflation comes. So up until that point, uh, we're just feeding off each other here and it's just buy everything up until the point that fed liquidity stops. And that's when, uh, well, we don't know what happens, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's basically like, uh, politicians found a way to keep, keep the peace and like voters happy by printing money instead of taxing. Right. So rich are happy because their assets are going up and taxes stay same and poor are happy because they get free money, but the value of the dollar is going down. Well, well, the poor, so here's the thing, the poor don't actually, I mean, you hear about stimulus checks, but but really the poor aren't getting any money. And in fact, they're probably gonna be harmed the most with this really? because, because poor people don't necessarily have, they're not really heavily invested in, in the stock market or they're not really heavily invested in real estate, which are the two biggest things that grow in low interest rate environments, right? Um, if poor people have money, it's usually kept in a savings account. And right now, savings accounts aren't right. growing. So really, um, that's why you see all these articles like you know, the top 1%, the top 1%, man. They've grown infinitely, like the Jeff Bezos and Zuckerbergs and everyone in the last you know, 10 months since COVID started. Their net worths have skyrocketed exponentially because of what's been going on, right? So the Fed printing has, has helped the rich way 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 more than will ever help the poor and it'll hurt the poor in the long run substantially jesus but here, here here's um my question is the intent was never to uh help the rich and disadvantage the poor even more the intent no. was to prevent a, a a a huge crash after covid correct right yeah. and so um uh, COVID didn't bring out some special kind of world. The world has always worked in a way where the more wealth you have, the easier it is to make more wealth out of it. Right? Or am I wrong? No, you're right. You're right. right. No, my, my, my question is that uh, has it 
been proportional or not. Because if Elon Musk is is an anomaly, that's not the norm. But people like their net worth have increased, not their liquid cash, but the worth of their individual stocks have increased to a point where their overall net worth have increased. But so have P- the middle class or upper middle 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 class that have invested into into their companies, right? So, has the, has the do you know whether the or has there been any analysis on um, have that one percent benefited more than anyone else in COVID? I, I'd go. I if you're comparing the general population, yes. No, I, I mean, I, I don't mean in, in comparison to the general population. I mean, in comparison to what was happening pre-COVID. So if, if, if let's say the 1% uh, genuinely, like on average, they, their wealth increased by 20%. Yeah. And uh, if, if their wealth increased by 20% before COVID as well, is a proportion the same for the middle class and uh, the lower class as well, because like, we, we can't assume that it was only the one percent that made some money off of it. A lot of people made money off of Tesla. Their net worth increased, like ridiculous. I understand, like that. That's how that's how we're thinking. Like that's how I think. That's how you think. But the reality of the the situation here is that more than fifty percent of the American population doesn't have a four hundred one k. They no, no, absolutely, have- absolutely. I don't, I don't mean that uh, there isn't a problem I, I just mean is this a new problem or I, I just feel like wasn't this problem something that already existed pre-covid and we just saw it's a problem that that always existed but it's been put on steroids with uh <laughs> with 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 covid it and it and it's done so through a supposedly independent federal reserve whether i mean you can Okay, he, think about it this way. Let, let's take Elon Musk, for example. He went from roughly $30 billion worth to, yeah. what, $150 billion? $180 billion, I think, is where he's at now. Due to the, the inflation of his of those securities at you know, Tesla, right. right? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Okay, okay. So let's take him. <laughs> it, it, his increased by, what's the percentage there? Like 100 and ridiculous whatever like, it is like 600 i don't know what the let's just say it, it is 600 um and then me as someone that invested let's say i invested my uh money but my disposable income into tesla in march when it when everything crashed mm-hmm. my wealth has also seen a huge spike has it not for sure but for rich sure. people have their assets primarily based in stock holdings and you don't well i assume you don't but you know like okay, most, most people have you know they, they pay a mortgage they do this they do that Whereas but i still we, benefited though of course okay but not proportionally to him not at all well this is it also has to, isn't there that kind of risk involved as well there's sure but essentially what happened is they all got bailed out by the by the federal reserve and it helped you yeah. a little bit but it, it it helped them tremendously right yeah and it's not it's not just just the top one person that got the help right like it's still still because there's there's still high highly paid workers that have the option to work from home whereas there's like you know the blue collar jobs that got affected more yeah so 
that's the population that's more affected. Yeah, there's a whole segment. Of course, it's it's not just one percent. It it it's a whole. It's it's the upper echelon of of society, um, just the way in society exactly. structure. That that's kind of what I was kind of get at. We, like we, I would consider us to be in the same boat of people that have benefited somewhat from what happened after COVID. Like yeah, yeah, I I agree, but. um at the same hand like it's if it's if you have if maybe we have benefited like it, just in percentage term like 50% let's say the 1% would be like 110% cuz just because they already were in a much better state before okay there, right they were already invested in yeah. so much that they and they already had the money and the means no absolutely so but uh this this is where i Look, when I see people posting this stuff online, the, re- the reason why it irritates me is, is it genuinely takes away from the people that are suffering. When we when genuinely people like ourselves include ourselves in the people that have not benefited. You know what I mean? So, when I see on social media, look at the top billion 10 billionaires that net worth have increased as if the the upper middle class or middle class like ourselves have not also benefited. it takes away from the people that have actually suffered people that aren't are not able to work because they don't have their work they can't work from home or their industries have gone down do you, do you get what i mean when 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 we say the 1%ers benefited and the rest of us are suffering it takes away from the people that are actually suffering um i'm not saying we have it as good as 1%ers but we have it a lot better than the the subset the poor uh that have really suffered after covid so i, I agree with you and i'm and i'm not taking it from a um any sort of political lens at all like i i agree you have the people yeah there's nothing to do with politics at all yeah. i just mean when i see on social media there's like this perception of only 1% have in, have increased in wealth and the rest of us haven't really um benefited i i i generally it it just meant it does not sit well with me because it takes away from the people that are actually suffering and there are some people that are suffering really bad yeah but then you have to ask yourself like are we well it's to what level are we ahead of of most people and to what level are we behind? like where are we on that on that chain right and and i all i'm saying is um the actions of of an independent um independent entity hmm. have led to x y and z and i think like when when people people kind of get misled and they're like oh i can't wait for my like government stimulus check to come in yeah and they feel like you know they feel like grateful oh i'm getting this i'm getting this 1000 bucks or 2000 bucks in reality um it's pennies it's pennies to what they're actually like they're they're being misled kind of thing right they're seeing like a shiny object and they're like oh man this is great you know i can do this this x y and z while in reality uh, what's being done is like ultimately harmful down the road right it's Absolutely. um so so he, here's um uh my question what differently sh- like what should have been done like how 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 could we have, how could the government have, have avoided this uh imminent crash 
in a way where it benefited everyone proportionally? Is that even possible? Is that a utopia? Um, that would be that would we're going by um, a solution that helped us out of 2008 right and all we're doing is we're just adding to what we thought worked so in 2008 eventually they they, they poured billions in and everything kind of came back to normal after some time and what they did this time was like okay we're gonna you know double triple that and we're going to do it fast and we're going to do it longer and we're going to do it harder. But we don't know the consequences of the decisions we're making um, right now that would essentially um, on how it affects to society as a whole. So to your, to your point, I mean, I don't, I don't know what we could have done to um, ease the burden on, on um, lower income people or, or just people in middle income people in general. Um, I, I have no idea what they could have done, but what they're doing now is is a disproportionate help. It's it's disproportionate on who it's affecting, right? Absolutely. That's just my critique. That's my critique right now, right? So yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what they could have done, but um, what's happening now is completely disproportionate. No, I I agree with you. It it, it is. Look, this is kind of why I do not. Uh, think government should be overly involved in everything and every aspect of our lives. It needs to be a nice balance. Like definitely we need the government to kind of govern us and protect our rights and, and our properties and our livelihood. But at the same time, um, what are they effective? And I don't think governments are, are genuinely effective. Um, part of the reason why I, chose to work on this DM project was because I think anyone with any common sense can see that in the next couple of decades, we are going to see that, you know, the poor class, the labor class lose their livelihood. Mm. Right. I think we can kind of agree that we are going to see, uh, or we already are seeing um, this transformation of laborist jobs, are, are, are going away or, or are en route to, to be eliminated, right? We've seen cashiers are, are not somewhat obsolete. I'm sure normal accounting is somewhat obsolete by software. And we're slowly going towards this, this uh, place where we're going to see these, some jobs just disappear. And obviously new jobs will be created. But um, I always thought that there will always be a part portion of the population that may not be able to survive in this new world. And this is probably why the governments come up with ideas like universal basic income and so, and so forth. But to me, universal basic income is a bandaid on, on a larger problem. Like it's a, it's a huge wound and you're trying to put a bandaid on something that's not it's not, I don't think it's going to work. I don't, I don't even think I understand the concept of how it'll work economically. Um, and so this is, this is why I have a problem in general with governments finding solutions for us or us solely relying on governments to do uh, a good job. What has the, what solution has a government come up with uh, when it comes to disappearing jobs or unemployment rate that's just inevitable with automation and, and technology? What are you? What are your thoughts on that, guys? Mm. 
I would like say, I said, uh, go ahead, Rami. Uh, mine's very simple. I, I'm very skeptical for having government involvement, you know, like in general. It's a <laughs> it's a tough call. I just I'm a believer of small government. And yeah. um, you still have the tinfoil hat on you. <laughs> I don't know, man. When it, but like like when it comes to the that for talking about the 2008 crisis, uh-huh. um, really what went wrong there was the fact that, uh, you know, these these banks um were bailed were bailed out by the you know by the government i think this this is again see there's government involvement right there i feel like that just basically went against all free market principles in my in my opinion you made bad decisions and you paid for them it can be you know you made bad decisions but we'll bail you out it should be the consumers who are bailed out if anything not the uh the population should be bailed out not the corporations yeah Bro, are you a libertarian? No, no, no. I don't even know what I am, bro. I'm a, I believe in one God. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Abhishek, what, what do you think? I mean, because you've been also uh, um, in tech space a lot longer, and well, how do you see? Like, do you see? Do you see that uh, a lot of like lower label labor jobs are going to disappear? Yeah, I think so. Uh, definitely. Um, I guess like from government's point of view, like um, they need to start thinking of like, you know, how how to train future generations for these new opportunities or new kind of jobs that are going to arise from this. Because, yeah, we know some jobs are going to go away, but then what can you create? instead so i think like what ontario did recently i think they've done a good job i i don't know if it's actually started yet but they they announced that they're gonna introduce like you know some some sort of coding and things like that in the curriculum mm. for for uh for i think in in high school level so that's that's i think a good start and uh, government you think everyone's start. capable of of doing like there's always going to be a population that's not going to have uh, um, the competency to do. I think eventually, like if if you are if you are starting to uh, teach kids at that like earlier on, I think I don't think it's going to matter. It's going to come down to well, there still be people who won't be good at it, but I think it's going to come down to very similar to you know having like a basic math skill or basic mm. skill in language and things like that. That's a good point. In my opinion, I think in the next like 25 years, coding will be the new labor class, the way that it's going. Uh, ah, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. pushing it. Everyone's pushing it. It's going to be the, the new mainstream thing. Yeah, like like it'll be the, the like, coding yeah, because even, is going to be a thing. Yeah, I, I agree with Sheroz as well. And, that's you know, point. even in that, I think there's going to be different classes because when you know when the government is going to teach and it's just going to be basic even right now they're gonna they're preparing only for like the most basic jobs but you know there'll still be some advanced level jobs for um people who actually pursue those studies further like which are going to be actually um coming up with those ai algorithms or like you know whatever else is going to be that uh, future. Uh, yeah, I don't think this is a big problem, guys. Like, I feel like, look, this is just, you know, technology is created to reduce human effort. And a lot of things that were requiring human effort are, are taken over by technology. And this is the way things are. This is how we progress. And if you are doing a job right now, that is going to be 
taken away um, due to technology. I mean, it, it's not like things happen overnight. Like I think you should, you would notice this pattern happening and develop a new skill or uh, a new opportunity will be created. You know. Yeah, I think society needs to. Yeah, like I I agree with Rami. Like it's it's similar to like the industrial revolution, right? Like how that came and now this is like a different thing that we yeah. are gonna foresee um, uh, in upcoming uh, decades. But, but yeah. what happens to the population? Look, there's there's, there's gonna there's still a, there's gonna be a population. Look, what's the average IQ? There's a population that has a uh, IQ below that. We can. See I guess it's it's gonna be good for people like you know the future generations which are like born in this era, but it's gonna be challenging for people who already had trouble you know struggling to keep up with the technology that's there currently, mm -hmm. or maybe people who were like, I think maybe even some millennials will also struggle as well, who, you know, who are not in the tech field, because we are in the tech field and we do, we are aware with like those things, but there's a big population of millennials out there who might not be, yeah, they do social media and all that stuff, but they're not as, you know, tech savvy. So I think that's, that's the generation that's going to mm -hmm. struggle because they don't even have that support of you know the government they have it's on themselves to prepare themselves for 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 this yeah you guys brought up a good point and i didn't think of it uh, that way before Sheryl's, but that's actually a pretty good point perhaps coding will become the um uh the labor like the next labor job you know, you know i think so because it'll this whole no code movement or whatever there's there's way too much intricacy for this to be of something that's going to be abolished you know in the near future mm. whereas if you're putting you know the the sticker on a banana right now and that's your job the banana comes with the dole <laughs> sticker i mean you got to know that that's going to be taken i mean come on well our kids are going to talk to us and when we tell them oh yeah we were using kotlin and they're gonna be like ew what you wrote your own code. You wrote your own code. You didn't just use Neuralink and it just <laughs> coded for you. <laughs> you know what's really interesting to me? Have you guys seen this? Um, it's this these prosthetics, but these prosthetics work with you thinking. Have you seen those where you think about moving your fingers and so? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's based on your, your nervous system, like, like electrical pulses and stuff. Yeah. That to me is gen like, I don't think anything blew me away as much as that i don't know why it may be simple science i don't understand how it works but <laughs> it was bro isn't that amazing like there's this thing that you just think and it moves based on how you think that's why i think that AI will, will create even more job opportunities than people think that'll make it lose like it's so like diverse in a way like even healthcare is it's like a i would say more than a, tr a trillion dollar market where you can have an AI application to like gene editing, for example, to cure diseases before it even happened. Mm -hmm. You have um, people like Elon investing in companies like Neuralink, which would theoretically help people overcome their disabilities, such as like paralysis. That's mm -hmm. wild. So I don't know. It's pretty, pretty diverse and big. big Look, the same way that there's a Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that same kind of principle will exist as technology improves. There's going to be a hierarchy of like, jobs that are gonna you know once you hit a certain level of technology there's a certain level of human effort that's no longer required 
and now we're able to focus on even higher level problems you know what i mean and i think uh as long as as we you know again through pattern recognition knowing what's going on that we're aware as a society mm. uh through the school system or through whatever it is through our trades programs um and even companies internally to help their employees they should have programs to combat this you know the inevitable and um we'll keep moving forward. I don't think this has been a big problem. Everyone's scared all oh, trucking jobs are going to go away when when autonomous trucks, you know, uh come into play. Well, it nothing happens overnight, dude. There's it's going to be phases and things are just going to change and it's just the way it is, man. Okay, but I'll say this. The problems that we're talking about today are going to be very very small. Think about how we will regulate AI now. See, we're talking about regulating social media. Imagine talking about regulating AI. Yeah, that's going to be a whole I I don't even think that's gonna. Oh man, that would be already. Like, there's with self-driving cars. Part of the reason why self-driving cars aren't on the road isn't because that technology doesn't exist. It's because we can't have fully autonomous yes. cars. They don't. We don't know how to regulate the decision of who should like that. Have you guys uh, uh, heard of that? Uh, I don't know if it's a puzzle or a riddle where you have two train tracks. The train is coming. You pull the lever and this one guy dies, but if you don't pull the lever, lever, this one child dies. What is that called? What think. the hell? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think I saw like a different one where you have like five people. Like, would you rather kill five people to save one life or, or save oh. five lives to like kill one person? You have know? you ever watched the show The Good Place? Any of you guys? No, I haven't. No. Really? Nobody? No, no, bro. What is that? <laughs> the Good Place is a really good show, man. I recommend it. Uh, it actually gets better with each season. It's basically a show where uh, the main character, who's this girl, I forgot. She's famous. She's married to Dax Shepard. What's her name? Kristen Bell. <clears throat> she basically dies, and she enters The Good Place, okay? Which is like heaven. Um, but you'll learn throughout the show that maybe it's not The Good Place. And the whole, a lot of the show is, is they tackle ideas and philosophy, and one of the episodes was specifically about this question that you guys are talking about. Mm, I'm just looking. I'm just looking at it right now. I think we don't watch it because we're not married, bro. Yeah, when you're. <laughs> Abhishek, have you watched the show? Maybe Abhishek has watched the show. Did no, you... I haven't seen. That's wild. You guys, this was a freaking popular ass show. Okay. Really, bro? No, I definitely haven't watched. I have. It. I have seen something similar though. Uh, on Amazon Prime, there's like a similar show, but I think that one's more more sci-fi. But the idea is very similar. Where the guy passes and then he's in this like afterlife kind of world. But in there, they have like, you know, augmented reality and some of those other, it's it's set in a futuristic world. It so what's it called? Uh, let me, let me see what it's called, I forget. Oh, oh yeah, I think it's afterlife. I think it's afterlife. Oh, you know what? I think I saw a clip of it on Instagram. Bro, honestly, Instagram has become a space where I find out about new shows. And that's the only place I find out about new shows all the time. Upload. Upload is the name of the show. Oh. We, I got, watch we, we, got under, we got under a minute left on the call. Oh, okay. yeah. How can you tell? It says less than a minute. I don't know. Really? Why is the time going by so quick? What the you, didn't show, you didn't even show me. I, I, mean, I watch Upload, actually. It's, it's a really good show. Have you finished it? Yeah, I finished it. Yeah. It's a good show. I liked it. Yeah. Have you guys watched Upload? No. No. 
Okay, it's it's definitely worth watching. Uh, it's yeah, it has an interesting take on like the futuristic world and like yeah, it's it's a good twist on on what the future might look like. That's you, hilarious. I got to see that. Yeah, you definitely should watch it. It's it, basically you, you you the whole premise is you can be uploaded to this virtual uh heaven. Yeah, the premise of the show is once your body passes away, just before you are actually about to pass away, they have the ability to upload your consciousness to a virtual heaven. Oh, they're borrowing off that Russian guy who invested in this guy. I don't know if you guys know he had, he was on Joe Rogan. Some big Russian billionaires investing in that technology. Are you serious? Oh, really? really? Yeah, like he wants well. to, it's basically he has a conference every year about just how to become immortal and one of the concepts is exactly that can we is there a way to extract like export your consciousness and import it <laughs> bro that that would i'd be too scared with that in, in a world that would like that it sounds terrifying to me that's actually terrifying yeah but in in the show it's it, the reason why it's a little interesting is because you obviously have to pay right and um but depending on how much you can pay you go to like a really cheap shitty heaven or a really nice kind of heaven yeah you can buy upgrades and there's also like i think there's like a payment system that you can load credits <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like an in-app purchase but in that virtual reality yeah in-app yeah a version of in-app purchase basically yeah. that's hilarious it's a it's a comedy i mean it's got some serious element it's it's i think it's funny as well um but uh, yeah, this this man die, basically is about to die. He's dating this girl that he's not really into, but she's super into him, and she is very rich. And she... good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he basically, she basically uploads him to her family's online estate or something along those lines. And now he's he's no, made... it's, it's one of the one of the various. Uh, resorts that are available because there's even it's yeah. not even I think single place I think there's this different type of um, companies that give that same service so you can choose which one uh, you want to get uploaded to and they do like really and things like that yeah <laughs> exactly yeah I, I highly recommend uploads is a really it's good a, yeah it's a good show plus it's I think it's funny as well there's like a comedy element to it as well so it's 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 good that's hilarious Speaking of shows, I, I, Abhishek, uh, I know Abhishek just finished it, but have you guys watched a show called Kingdom? I've heard no. of it, but I haven't watched it myself. It's, um, it's a show, um, it takes place in like 13th century Korea, and it's about zombies in 13th century. What the hell? What? Of course it's zombies. <laughs> I'm just sick of this zombie. Well, it's okay. It sounds really weird because you, when you think of zombies, you only think of modern era, never in the past. Yeah, it's interesting. But Abhishek, did you like it? Yeah, it's it's actually fun. It's like a different perspective on the entire zombie spectacle. Like I don't what is I don't know what the hell it is with the zombie the, the zombies and vampires. I don't know why these things are so popular. Yo, vampires are sexy. Don't 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 even go there. <laughs> I honestly don't understand the obsession. Uh, are, are you Team Edward or Team? Uh, <laughs> what was the other one? Edward and. Um, I don't even remember. I think it was Actually, Batman, I but I don't remember. I've never even seen that series. Oh, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob, that's it. You haven't watched Twilight? 
No, I haven't seen it. Bro, you're missing out on one of the the most uh, romantic literatures you have ever. <laughs> There's and Romeo, Romeo Juliet. I remember it was so big when I was in high school. Like it was yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah in high school. Girls were. I remember specifically when Twilight was like getting big. And I was making fun of it. And one girl was like, you haven't even read it. And I'm like, you know what? She's freaking right. So I read it. And yeah. I was like, it's still pretty garbage, man. <laughs> you actually, so actually read, read Twilight. Twilight. That is hilarious. You read it. I read, I has, I've never read Harry Potter, never watched the movies. But yet I freaking read Twilight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So there was this, um, I was dating a girl. And Twilight came up. And just, it was just a conversation about how... Um, you know how romantic it is. It's just, why do you like Twilight? It's just so romantic. Like, you know, girls have this, um, not just girls, guys too, but girl, I was talking about, like, girls have this notion of what they think that they want. But if a guy actually acted that way, there's no way you'd still be with them. <laughs> and like, no, 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 I, it's so romantic. I'm like, okay, for instance, for example, if I ask any of my girlfriends and uh, I ask them, first date, a guy brings a huge bouquet of flowers. What do you guys think? They, they would all be like, that is so sweet. That is so romantic. But in, in reality, if uh, if that were to actually happen, most likely they'd feel uncomfortable and probably be like, no, this guy's not. I don't want to see this guy again unless the date goes extremely, extremely well. Mm. Like, no, just try it. You should just try it. It'll work. I'm like, okay, you're telling me you think it's very romantic if I snuck into your room in the middle of the night and watch you sleep. <laughs> that's what in twilight that's what happens he there's a scene where (laughs) i watched it in theaters uh, and there's a scene where uh he sneaks into the girl's room and watches her sleep and all the girls are like that is so romantic that is so sweet bro imagine in real life you 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 sneak into a girl's place and what the fuck are you doing in my room i'm just watching you sleep she is not gonna go like oh you're so romantic that's hilarious bro <laughs> that's not happening no Nolan, have you watched twilight i have not uh i'm not into that space much but <laughs> i have not watched it <laughs> okay well what show are you watching currently uh tv shows i'm currently watching uh good question i'm just uh catching up with ozark actually Oh, amazing, amazing, amazing show, bro. Really? Yeah, I'm watching the, the, no the last spoilers, season that came out. Guys. I haven't seen the latest season yet. Yeah. Dude, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I gotta jump on it. How many how many seasons are there? I've only watched season one. There's uh, three seasons. Three. Yo, I, the main character is just a true stoic, man. I love it. Yeah. The, that's kind of like up my alley in terms of shows, like all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um you know, like Narcos, Ozark, all that kind of oh, drug like peddling. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Narcos is right. another one I never actually finished. I think I watched the first yeah. two seasons. And I just never watched it again. Actually, on that topic, uh, uh, Nolan, have you seen The Wire? It's an old mm. show. It's a HBO show, but it's it's amazing. It's like... Uh, oh, everyone always like, talks uh, about The Wire. You're everyone right. does. I don't know if Shiroz recommended that to me. I'm yes, sure. I watched it yeah. years ago. I liked yeah. it. It was yeah. very long, but it's very gritty. Extremely gritty. Yeah. So, have you guys seen Sopranos? Uh, no. Episodes here. I've and heard there. a lot I about watched it. it fully right. through, though. Yeah, it's a pretty good show as well, but it's very slow like, by today's standards, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, The Wire. I've definitely. I've heard. I've heard Sopranos was one of the greatest shows that was that were ever made, and then, um, 
the worst ending that's ever existed. Really? I, I people were hating on the Sopranos ending. I've I've seen the ending. I've never watched the show, but I watched that last scene because Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, I think Jimmy Kimmel, yeah, has a had a skit on it. No way. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the one where uh, he parks and then walks into the diner and they're talking in the diner. That's like the ending, right? It's the gist of it. Damn, I don't even know that. What, what do you mean? You're you're the one. That I didn't see the. I don't remember the finale like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, there's actually a lot of like, uh, like shows like that. I then, I feel so disheartened, and then I don't, I don't want to recommend that to anyone else. Like, I think mm-hmm. even Lost was one of those shows which oh. like, started out so good, and then um, Lost by the end of the season, and like the finale was so bad. It's wow. hard to do a finale, man. I mean, even Game of Thrones broke my heart. But, yeah, but uh, yeah, show- Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. Oh my god, <laughs> that's that's yeah, that's another. I, I think the best show that was very consistent was Breaking Bad, hands yeah, down. 100% yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys are the best finale of all time, where it actually closed everything up. Was The Office? Was it actually? I don't remember. I yeah, don't, the you guys will remember their finale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it. Yeah. It, I felt no, I, you know, you left with a few tears and not, no anger. You know what I mean? Well, well, same with Friends. Then, if you're gonna go like that route, yeah, they left. The, they left the house. Okay. Maybe comedies are easier. If we're, if have, you, have you guys seen Dexter? Yes. No, I but I've heard about it. Yeah, it's, even it's, Dexter, I think, had a very good ending to it. Okay. I heard the opposite. I think they really ruined the ending. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dexter, I didn't finish. But you know, have you guys watched Scrubs? Yes. Oh, the hospital show. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen a few episodes. Not. Yeah, that show it's really good. Funny. I recommend it, and it had an amazing ending until it was no longer the ending, and then they had like a sixth or seventh oh, season. Oh yeah. It just ruined. Oh, Yo, you're right. You're right. You remember that? They. Yeah. They, sometimes they just gotta do. They, they're just squeezing the orange. You know? I mean, they just want to get as much out of that franchise as possible. You gotta. You gotta finish with it, and that's it. They sacrifice legacy for. Uh, you know, Money. an extra season. Same with House of Cards. Where oh, yeah, absolutely. Solid two seasons, and then it started to like fade away, and then that yeah. whole controversial issue with. Kevin. I didn't even end up finishing it. It got so. Like, yeah, I, I gave up because of what yeah. happened with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch the, oh, yeah. the most recent season after that. I never yeah. actually watched House of Cards. Really. No, I thought somebody like you with the tinfoil hat would love it. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I think I watched um, a bit of it, and I just there there was a phase, especially after we started DM, where I just didn't complete shows. So I I have never completed Game of Thrones. I haven't completed Ozark. I haven't completed um, um, what was it? Narcos. There's so many I just started and just kind of stopped. It was just because I was always working, so. It is what it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. When we're talking about shows, there's a movie that I watched this um, last few months. I think it was a few months ago when it came out. The Platform. Please tell me you guys. Oh, that was a great oh, yeah. movie. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah? Netflix original. I, I mean, have yeah. you watched it? Yeah, I saw that. Inside, yeah. Okay, so please give me your thoughts about, about Platform. Anyway, just go go ahead. I just want to hear what your take on that movie was. Who wants to start? Oh, you guys are all being shy. Just tell me this. Okay, let's start off from this. 
I don't know. I I okay. I can go first. I please go. This is this is the same movie, right? Like it's uh, there's like different uh, uh, like you know the food going down and yeah, all. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. That's it. Yeah, I, I think it was a good movie. Um, they tried to like uh, kind of symbolize. Like there was a lot of symbolization in there, right? Like for society and everything. But uh, I think. the idea behind it was good but like i think they kind of were not able to tie it all together mm. like mm. by the end of it it didn't really it didn't really give you any message or like you know is no is, solution yeah no solution yeah so this like it's a good idea but like i was hoping for like some sort of uh, you know solution or some ending or like some sort of thing like that so wait, did everyone see it uh, i haven't i haven't seen it Okay, so just to like, like just to break it down very simple, the way it is, it's like you enter this, you, the, the simplest thing you're in, you're on this platform. Okay, it's like a room. Imagine you're in this room, mm-hmm. and at the very and there's many rooms above you or below you, and you don't really, um, I forgot, you don't pick where you land or something in the beginning. I don't remember how that part works, but the point is, you're in this room. There's rooms ahead of you, atop, on top of you, and below you. And what happens is, in the the way it works is at the beginning, at the very top of the platform. You have this amazing feast, okay? Has cakes, steaks, all these beautiful things. And what the concept is is the people on the very top floor, they eat as much as their hearts content. And when they're right. done, it drops down to the next level and then the next level. And by the end, at the very bottom, you have the scraps, right? right. Yeah. So I think I, it's pretty much a metaphor on. I'm assuming tr- trickle down economics, right? I'm assuming that's what it is. Interesting. Um, So, because you really everything could be equitable if the people at the top ate a, a normal amount, people the, and as it goes down, just enough so even the bottom have enough to eat at their heart's content. I think that right. that should be. I think that's what they're trying to show is that's not how it is. The people at the top are disgusting, and it just by the end, the people at the bottom get absolutely nothing. So the movie was a cool metaphor. That it was very entertaining and engaging, and it taught you about like. I guess it was just like an expose on kind of human nature, but it gave absolutely no solution or proposed solution to the problem. It just showed a guy who felt like this is unfair yeah. and tried his best to convince the people above him that hey, don't eat so much, and the people below him, hey, you know, we only took a few things. You should do the same. And he tried his best to kind of be that uh, example of what they what he should be, but just people were so disgusting that they refused and they just kind of had greed. So. No it's, a, it's a good summary. I feel yeah. like I've watched it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just just to add, the the reason why it's like uh, crazy is because every thirty days, I think every month, um, they they basically switch you out. So you may be on level one, which is like amazing, and then yeah. the next month you might be in level three hundred. Is it completely random or? It's random. They, uh, at oh. least you don't know. It, it just. It's random uh, to the audience. You don't know if there's a method behind it, and you and you also don't know how far below it goes. So the movie, he's trying to figure out how far do you get to go, and obviously, the further down it is, the the less food that you have. That's more disgusting as well. Yeah, yep. it's really disgusting. I mean, that scene got to me where um, he's trying to climb up, and the girl shits on his face. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. I have a I have a theory on like I think uh, how they determine where you are placed on the platform was kind of based on uh, how how bad of stuff you are willing to do to survive. Like you know, mm. if you're not 
because i think if he, when he was and i think it's both the people who are on that platform like everyone collectively as an action like if one person has taken that you know i don't want to ruin the movie for nolan that's why i'm just trying to uh, talk, talk in code words but <laughs> like you know if they perform a certain action to do something like the his roommate the older guy kept doing that and that's when they went up but then after that old guy went away and then the main lead was left he he kind of just uh, wanted to figure out a solution and he stopped eating and i think he started doing more noble acts and then he started yep. down well i don't i i don't know what you mean by action and i watched the movie like well i guess yeah there's like you know there's like you can actually kill people and uh, oh, okay, okay. like that is that right okay 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 so you, oh that's an interesting thing so you're saying if you if you're more capable or you do some some evil crap you're more likely to go up yeah i and i, I think, think again it's how... a metaphor that it greed is rewarded in society yeah yeah i think there was some yeah there was things oh, like that i never thought of that that's ooh that wow whoa my mind's blown yeah, like i said great movie for entertainment value great movie for they took something and kind of made a metaphor and, and a fun one to watch but there's no solution and sometimes when you're watching movies it's kind of what you want you want to see the director or the writer's kind of vision for like what is your proposed solution mm, yeah it's, it's just, just kind of more like you left it feeling like yeah there's no closure yeah definitely yeah. no closure but the movie the one of the premises in the movie is known when you get sent to this i think it's a prison when you get sent to this they ask you what's your favorite meal and so yes one of the meals that come down comes down on the platform are just whatever each inmate has said so they basically sent you uh, saying uh, my favorite meal is this and therefore it'll be on the table so if you guys were asked that question what would be your f- like go to meal what would be your favorite oh man that's a great question oh, buddy. how many courses do we get to pick i think you're supposed to say one right okay for the ease of it i'll say a three course meal oh man this is a tough one i think i'd uh really tough i'm not going to waste time. i'm not going to waste time on appetizers but um i think i would go with something with meat man it would have to be like a really good steak and for dessert man frick this is so hard what i would have to have like a a firni if you guys are not familiar with the firni it's a custard like like it's almost like a pudding but has cardamom vanilla flavor so it's i'd like have that dessert it's like a version of here okay. yeah and, and i would end off with uh like a really good chai <laughs> he's an arab that oh chai like uh like a brown chai brown chai i'm talking about milk bro if i'm about to die i don't care about my weight i want whole milk <laughs> Okay, that's not bad. Steak, firni, and chai, bro. You've become like. I have an honorary Pakistani passport. Yeah, yeah. Wow, firni and and chai. Okay, not well, firni's Persian, but it's okay. You guys can pretend that you guys made it. Cool. <laughs> Here is a lot better, bro. It's just no, it's thing. not. <laughs> okay, what about you guys? What what would you guys bring? Oh, not all at once. No, all at once, guys. Come on. <laughs> like what 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 is your favorite food? I need to give it a little bit more thought. So it, it honestly depends on the the day of the week, seriously, like 
No, but like, I it, get it. It's like asking what's your favorite number, what's your favorite color. But we're asking you in today, in today's day of the week, what would you want? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I guess I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I would also skip the appetizer and go straight to the meal. I would have to say, I don't know, um, <clears throat> chicken curry. Um, and I don't know, maybe even like for, for, for breakfast, breakfast item, I would have to say like pancakes or, or French toast. This is a prison. You don't get... I'm surprised nobody's picked ass yet, but let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll end it with uh, dessert. So um, Turkish kanafe. Oh, damn, son. Ooh, kanafe. What was your breakfast choice? Uh, pancakes or French toast, one of those. Okay. It just sucks because you know the guys at the top would have eaten all that crap. You don't even yeah, know exactly. Okay. Um, also... You, are we assuming there's no drinks? Are you guys okay with no drinks? You guys want to add it? Well, you just said chai, so at the end, so you're good, Rami. But are you, no drinks, or you're okay with water? Um, I don't know, mango, mango drink. Yeah, mango lussy, man. Yeah. Oh wow, we got mango lussy fans. How about you, Nolan? Would you know what you'd uh, you take with you? Um, on this day of the week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're gonna go with uh, a mutton biryani. Oh snap! Yeah. Came in strong with that mutton biryani. Isn't mutton like an older lamb? So you like the old ones, huh? It's a, it's a, it's a more like a tender, uh, ten. It's like a tenderized meat. But mutton means different things in, in yeah, different. Yeah, uh, I was just gonna say. Go, go on, <laughs> go on, say that. Yeah. So I mean, like, if, if you're talking about England, like, there's mutton means like lamb, right? In, in South Asia, mutton oh. generally means coat. I mean, it, it, it's a similar tasting meat, but... It's, it's funny because lamb specifically means young, right? A young sheep, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But when you say mutton biryani, are you talking about goat biryani or lamb biryani? I'm talking about goat. Okay, got it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. strong with the biryani. Okay, go on. Yeah. What's, what's next? Um, for dessert... We're keeping the theme. I'll go with uh, I'll go with the kulfi. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm uh, Nolan. I think I'm gonna be bunking with you. Let's go. <laughs> and then what else? And for hmm, for breakfast, right? Well, anything. Third item. He chose breakfast. You go for whatever you want. Yeah. Well, then I'm gonna go with the drink. I'm gonna go with the drink. Because I feel like a, a mango lassi for sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. I like the way Nolan approached yeah. that. Yo, I like that, Nolan. But that's today, Sunday, January 20, 24th, <laughs> 2021. You know, I learned in my history class, and I don't know if it's just um, liberal you know, agenda, but what they were talking about, we were learning about the Mughal Empire. Yeah. This is in my South Asian religions class, actually. And... Uh, the professor was saying that when the, the Mughal Empire, like basically biryani specifically was an introduction yes. by the Mughals as a, it was like a diplomatic move. And it was to create a dish that took all the conquered, a little bit of from all the conquered and make a dish out of it. So like, okay, we conquered you guys, we'll take the rice. Oh, you guys like raisins, we'll throw the raisins. You guys like meat, we'll throw the meat. And you make this dish that kind of represents all the little, you know, uh, cultures that make up that empire. Interesting. I, yeah. I've heard something similar, but it's uh, it wasn't a diplomatic thing. It was more like, what what's the easiest thing to make that has all the nutrition an army would need? And then they came up with biryani. But I like that version a lot better, the one that you just mentioned. 
Yeah, I'm going to teach you guys one more fact. Well, I learned it from a T. Something cool. Did you know that the way that you say T depends on how the T was given, like traded to you, imported? Yeah. Um, so if it was imported by land, you, the way that people say the word T starts with a CH, like ch, with the cha sound, like che, shy, chai. So if, if T was given to you or imported to you through land, your language usually says T or calls T with that. It starts with CH or SH, that mm -hmm. sound. Whereas if it came by C, uh, then you would use the T, like you'd use T to say T. So that's why in the, the, a lot of the Middle East and you know, Indian subcontinent, even Russia, they the way they, they say T is chai, shy, some, some derivative che, whereas, you know, everywhere else in the world where it was uh, by C, yeah. they use the T, the letter T to say T. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. man. Yeah, and I think it's like the, the reason why it's um, Chinese in, in Southern China, has one way of saying it and northern china has another way of saying it and depending on the trade routes yeah and, and oh one more cool fact i learned in history since we're talking about food uh you know <laughs> wait wait, wait before that, you do mention yeah. that i think atik's gonna love the fact that you did preface it with atik taught me because from <laughs> you do have a habit of stealing atik's so how's it stealing yo this is the thing guys if, some, <laughs> if you learn something if you learn content you don't have to source where you learned it from otherwise i'd be like well <laughs> what the hell it's like one plus one is two because i learned from miss frizzle back in grade one you don't have to say that <laughs> knowledge becomes yours you adopt it what the hell? oh he's very very sensitive to that i know yeah he, i'm a joke stealer but yeah so one more thing is like um that mm. i learned is mm. when they would you know when they were doing trade like marco polo is actually the example mm. he, he would describe he used to gather um like spicy like peppers and they were really expensive to get these hot peppers i don't forgot where he was bringing them to but the point was they were really expensive to buy. However, historically, it actually wasn't hard for him to gather. But when he when they were writing, when they were writing about his journey on how he had to get the peppers, it was full of like insane mythology. Like it was like for him to get the peppers, he had to slay a dragon and like, you know, <laughs> do all this crazy shit. And by doing that, it made it the value of the pepper so high because it basically was trying to say, like, look how hard it is for me to get this to you. So it, it, that was pretty much early marketing, dude. It's like he found a way to be like, yo, how do I make this shit sound valuable as shit? Let's create this like commercial where I freaking slay a dragon. <laughs> Is that true? What the hell? I never knew that. Uh, I don't learn in history. And you, you can read some of the things. It's like, it's just funny. Like they put all this bull crap uh, on the story of how they got certain items and it helped like sell, make those items more desirable. And that's why, I don't know if you guys know, pineapple was a sign of wealth back in the day. Like if you, a lot of the rich people were drawn holding pineapples or having pineapples in the background, it was a sign of like opulence. No way. Are you serious? How I'm serious. Pine pineapples have just been around and people are like, I'm wealthy, therefore I'm going to, what? It was just a sign of wealth, yeah. Not to all societies, but like if you just search pineapples and wealth on Google or mm. DuckDuckGo, since you guys are uh, against Google, um, you'll see <laughs> <laughs> I always thought uh, um, pomegranates would be a sign of wealth. Another beautiful story of the pomegranate. So as you guys know, the uh, the Muslims ruled Spain for like, what, how many years? 800 years? Yeah. 500 years? 600 years? In 711, that's when they first landed. But uh, the pomegranate was the symbol of Grenada, which was like the, the power, one of the powerhouses of the Muslim empire there. And they were the last standing Muslims. So as they were getting, you know, 
pretty much kicked out when the four when the queen or kings of spain kind of united or whatever and they yeah. started doing the reconquista yeah. so granada was the last kind of surviving uh muslim territory and mm. there when they conquered granada uh there they had this like statue built of the four it's basically the four spanish kings and each one's holding a staff and under the staff is like a symbol so on one of them i think it's i forgot his name but the main guy he has a staff and under the staff, he's crushing a pomegranate. It's a symbol that we've basically crushed the Muslims. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Man, you got some amazing fruit history here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Rami Rami was prepared about that whole fruit. You know what? Next time, we'll we'll talk a bit more about uh, history. I think that'd be an interesting topic. I mean, like, we have, like, a professional, like, historian among us yeah, yeah. no 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 man <laughs> rami, rami knows all the facts ask me about anything horses rami knows <laughs> oh horse meat's delicious you, you tried, tried it? it no man i'm just joking <laughs> oh, i think i did if we all ate at mcdonald's boys we gotta go to uzbekistan i watched uh, a youtube video i think i sent it to you rami uh, yeah yeah uzbekistan is uh they're the ones that have the famous mosque that's like turquoise right yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uzbekistan is where um bukhari from right bukhari Imam. I don't know. The, oh, isn't wait? It's Kazakhstan who created the apple, right? Or like that's where the apple comes from. Central Asia. That's I think that's one of the theories. I think Kazakhstan is the land of apples. It's like the place where apples that's like native to them. Yeah, I, I think I've heard that, but I, I don't know if that's a definite thing. They do claim for claim it. That's wild. But uh, Abi, did, have you decided what you would bring? Oh yeah, yeah, I I did. <laughs> uh, so I think yeah, I'll. I'll skip the appetizer as well. I'll yeah. just go for the main course. I, I think uh, like one of my f- most favorite things all time has been butter chicken. So I love oh, yeah. oh. chicken with, the, with like a nice, nice garlic naan. Oh, yeah. oh, Damn, you have to pay extra for that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> garlic. No, even with the, yeah, like... Uh, and I think, yeah, this is the same kind of like Nolan as well, that this day of the thing, but Week, yeah. this, 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 there can be more things as well. So I think I'll also go for a mango lassi because I have an immense love. Two mango lassi. Oh, wow. All right. And then I think uh, for sweet, I'll go for uh, a nice, uh, either a cheesecake or like a mango cheesecake or a chocolate mousse, something like that. See you. Oh, that sounds delicious. Now it's funny. This table has just become an Indian restaurant. Um, <laughs> hilarious. But what, what's hilarious is if we were smart, we would just ask for the spiciest effing dishes so that nobody else can what eat else it. If they did? try, they'll be like, oh, "Fuck it, just let it go down." I don't mind eating this shit. But in the movie, the thing that was weird was they were people that didn't want to eat the crab. They were like pissing on it and stuff. Yeah, it was it was a serious hyperbole, but. Look, <laughs> out of this podcast today, everyone needs to watch The Good Place. Trust me, it's, it's a really good show, especially the finales of each season. Um, and actually, a pretty good closure, too, uh, that show. So I recommend that. The platform, if you haven't watched it, you probably don't have to because we just yeah. told you the entire movie. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, we, we are not only a source for uh, a conspiracy, but we also provide great history on fruits. And, um, <laughs> what else? and that's okay. pretty much it. So how do we wrap this up? Well, we're gonna wrap this up after I've given my what I would take. I wanna, I wanna. Oh, we haven't asked you. Shit, oh my yeah. Bad, you know? <laughs> yeah, I wanna, I wanna express. So definitely, I agree with Nolan. It's like, it's like the day of the week, and these days, bro, 
I'm going through the stay craze. I went through the ramen phase after we came back from BC. Oh yeah. I just nonstop ramen, ramen, ramen. So I've, I've been going through a steak phase. But that said, I would take a bucket of fried chicken. Bro, you can Ooh. never go wrong with a bucket of fried chicken. Wait, wait, from where? Pick what restaurant? That's too hard, bro. I'm going to let them kind of figure it out. Whatever's no, eating. you got to pick the restaurant. You got to pick the restaurant. If you guys remember in the movie, it was like world-class chefs who were preparing the food. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, okay. Here, here's my dilemma. Growing up, Popeye's chicken was amazing, and I feel like their quality has gone down the drain. Same thing with KFC, become complete shit. Um, recently, I had Church's chicken uh, in Brampton. It was not recent, but it was really good. Um, I had um, what's this other one? It's called Broast Inn. They have amazing. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. They've had amazing chicken waffles. Shows can attest to that. Yes. I can... You guys are screwing up, man. Have you guys ever had Nashville hot chicken? Not the company, the type of food. Just called They call it Nashville hot chicken or hot oh, chicken. Is that the... with the spicy and sweet sauce mixed on it? You could, yeah, they have a sweet version, what they call barbecue. But like Nashville, mm-hmm. basically Nashville is known for what they call hot chicken. And if you see it, it's a fried chicken, but the, the skin is like dark red because it's so goddamn spicy and it's oh, just wow. famous there. And yeah. it's honestly delicious. Next time you guys get fried chicken, just try to get a, a, a there's a few places in Toronto, even Saga, that sell uh, hot chicken. When I went to Texas, I had a bunch of it. It's delicious. It's like, a, imagine a chicken sandwich, a Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich, but the meat's much nicer, but it's goddamn spicy. Like you eat that and you need preparation age because you're going to have hemorrhoids for <laughs> next week, but it's worth it. Oh no, man. Yeah. So fried chicken, definitely. I don't know where from, man. Like it. Korean um, fried chicken is amazing. If you're oh, fried yeah, what, right. okay, that, explain mm. to me what? How is it different? What What is different about the Korean? breading, bro? What is it? What's, it's it's what is the it? breading and the the sauce. They 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 you kind of dip it in. It's like oh man. Like if you're South Asian, I think you'd really like. It's like a it's like a sweet and spicy like sauce, and it just oh man, it hits so many different levels. Um, Bro, Koreans know what's up, man. Yeah, Korean fried chicken is pretty good. Has Has anyone tried Jollibee? No, no yes, but I've seen yes. it. I've seen Filipino, it. yeah, yeah. Is it good? Uh, it's okay. It's not. It's not in my top. It's not my top. Okay. Uh, I've heard some. Damn. Yeah, it I have to become a sponsor. It, but I haven't. I haven't tried it myself either. But I. I see. It's like it. Looks at the chicken's the best thing from the restaurant. Like, I don't really like anything else, but like, yeah, the, the chicken is pretty good, but other stuff, meh. have any of you guys had deep fried turkey? No, that's oh. that's something I've always wanted. Where do you get that? okay? This is what we're gonna do this Thanksgiving. So, if we're still friends in a year from now and Thanksgiving <laughs> comes, uh, we will do a live podcast where we'll fry it because you have to do it outside, you can't do it inside, it explodes like crazy. Don't put it in the we- pot, right? Yeah, well, I'll because I, I saw them on Amazon because I have a turkey in my freezer and I live in a condo. I don't know why the frick I have a turkey. I just took it from my parents' <laughs> house thinking I was going to make it. I'm obviously not going to make it. So uh, I say we just take that thing and we just deep fry the crap out of it. Okay, well, with, it's set a, a next Thanksgiving. Wait, are we going to do American Thanksgiving since we're patriots or are we going to do Canadian Thanksgiving? <laughs> no, nah, man, we got we to gotta still stay loyal to where, where we, you know, where we are. <laughs> all right so october what is it october 29th or, i forgot what day no, october 7th i think october 7th oh okay that's not that far from now damn we're already almost done the first month of yeah, 2020 what the wild fuck? so we're, we're, we're gonna do a live thing by then we're probably gonna have 35 million followers 
probably, <laughs> you know, doing, we're going to have PewDiePie and Joe Rogan on our podcast by then. You know what? A year from now when we're doing that live turkey, Joe Rogan will be joining us. Yes, I said it now. <laughs> yeah, he is on a carnivore diet, so it might work out. Yeah, it might actually work out. Um, but fried chicken, I'm, I'm, I've been craving faluda. You guys know what faluda is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my yeah, God, amazing. Bro, Love it. The five of us need to meet up and go for fun. Sorry, oh, we're gonna have a Bollywood night. Don't worry, my condo, bro. Faluda from Milan, best faluda I at least I've tried in 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 and around here. That's my dessert. Um, so now I want some food. And what else will I have? What did you? What was the third thing that you guys chose? It was a drink, right? Yeah. Well, depend. Yeah, we had last year's chai. Yeah, you know what? I I, I after that I'd go for a karak chai. A nice oh, yeah. karak chai. Mm. What's a karak chai? It's just like uh, like um karak strong. means like strong tea. Karak strong tea. Yeah. Oh okay. Have you guys ever had Kashmiri chai? Yeah, yeah, oh, man. yeah it's pretty heavy. Yeah, I man. Like my it. mother-in-law makes it. It's freaking wild. Oh, Kashmiri chai would be a good pick as well. Yeah. That is. Yeah. So funny that you mentioned. I'm telling you, I don't know how Starbucks because Kashmiri chai is pink, as you guys know. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so easily marketable. Why would they not make a Kashmiri chai frap where it's like pink with the whipped cream and some like yeah. crushed pistachios on top? That oh, shit would man. sell. And the so, word Kashmir sounds so nice, like it, like you know. If 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 it comes out, um, I need to. I own the royalties. Here. Yeah, we <laughs> own the royalties of that. This show owns the royalty of that of that drink. <laughs> so Starbucks. <laughs> come out with it and at least name it after us that's, I mean, that's cool. they'll probably call it like chai tea or something <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, they, they, yeah. chai tea version 2 <laughs> maybe they already have it and it's called some fancy name they'll call it disputed territory <laughs> frap we all know <laughs> you know okay that's the most SJW thing Shiroz <laughs> uh, and I have a good uh, story to tell about Kashmir chai from Chicago so next time, next podcast, uh, we'll talk about... Charles, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember? No, I don't. Chicago uh, morning with Z's uncle. Oh, and- yes. I remember. Oh, bro. Oh, I, boy. Honestly, like, when you eat a heavy daisy breakfast, you need to sleep. It's impossible. <laughs> again. I don't know how they're so productive. <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't know. But that's a story for next time. Um, I think we're... Just about uh, at time, I want to thank all you guys for uh, coming on today. Uh, next week, uh, we'll come come again and uh, t- talk about what's going on next week. And again, this podcast is sponsored by DM the app and Parlor. So uh, make sure you use the <laughs> imposter syndrome uh, as a coupon code and you're good. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, you take it easy. Thank you. All right, later. All right, guys. Take care. All right, take guys. Care. Nice having you. Bye.